3: Fans and welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us here for episode number 118. Here on February the 18th, 2019. We are here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. As always, I'm Joe Morata, alongside the one and only Michael Quinn. How are you doing there, Michael? How- Well, Quinn, as we close out now, we're coming up on the end of this season. You know, we've got a lot of interesting things in store here. We got two more added to the mix in the Royal Rankings. We'll be reviewing something later. And of course, we'll be talking about a downfall. But before we get to any of that, I want to remind you guys, if you haven't yet and you have a Twitter, go follow us there at OVP Podcast. You can also email us if you like the long form at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is VP Podcast at gmail.com. But, Quinn, the best place to interact with me and you and a bunch of other retro
1: wrestling fanatics is over on Facebook. Over at Facebook.web.feet. <laughs> yeah, Fun <feet>. or whatever. That's <laughs> right. Yes, it's a right. site. Um, it is. It's, it's long. Nice. you got to type a lot of dots. you got to type a lot of feet. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> once you get over there, there's a search bar, right? Yep. In the search bar, you type our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast and then Kafooey, <laughs> as they say in the business, Kafooey. They do. You know, that leaves you bit-bop-boop-tube-series of tubes. Operators <laughs> are standing by on the other tubes. Yep, the you, tubes that Al Gore invented. Yep. Once the result comes through <laughs> with the join button, you hit that join button. Al Gore is there. You so, take that warp pipe. and It let you in, <laughs> And you're,
3: yep. yep, and once you're in the group, you can talk to hundreds of other retro wrestling fans. And what we do there is we try to welcome everyone from any kind of wrestling background. And that means if you were a fan of the old-school wrestling, the Southern wrestling, and that's it, that's fine. Bring your perspective, your thoughts, your analysis, if you've been a fan for a long time, or maybe only a couple of years, and you're only recently going back and checking out the old stuff from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, that's fine, too. We are a positive, fun environment, a lot of sarcasm, a lot of jokes, but we try to welcome everybody. It's unlike any other wrestling group that I've ever been a part of, so check it out. It's on Facebook, and later on in the show, we'll be talking about our newly revamped, The Construction is
1: Done. Yes, wow. I, it was, Finally. It's quite, I, I mean... <laughs> when someone's remodeling your home, it's a little (laughs) troublesome. Like when we were going going to the bathroom at the Patreon (laughs) house, it was very annoying. It was because there's drop cloths over the place. It's it's hard to even just take a piss. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Sweaty contractors. (laughs) There's people standing over your toilet, messing with the plumbing. It doesn't flush right. It's terrible. It's awful.
3: But it's all fixed now. So if you go over to patreon.com slash OVP podcast, you can check out our rewards tiers. We'll have a little more info on that later. But, Quinn, all season long, we've been talking about downfalls. And what that is, folks, is something that was prevalent in wrestling, you know, in the in the era that we talk about, the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, and then suddenly isn't really around anymore. And, you know, various examples. We've talked about Saturday night's main event. Uh, most recently, we've talked about jobber squash matches and things like that. We talked about violence in wrestling last week. So, Quinn, this was a conglomerative or co- collaborative effort here between the two of us yes. to come up with this one. Quinn, you wanted to talk about, and I think it's a great idea,
1: the downfall of the true babyface. Yes, not the babyface, the true babyface.
0: The babyface is a superhero. He's a good guy, he don't cheat. The baby is clean-cut, he goes by the rules. He represents everything that's good. The heel is just the opposite.
1: Because isn't that what we all want? Isn't that why wrestling kind of sucks? Because you know, Roman Reigns or something. Like nobody's rooting for him even sure. though he's like the baby face. Right. right. Or John Cena for a lot of his career. Yeah. Not maybe not the end, even though sometimes when he comes out, I still don't understand why people are like John Cena saw. Oh, part of the or whatever. Fun now, but like is it because they don't like him? Do you know what I mean? I don't know, and that's an interesting
3: study now, obviously, folks, for a long time, wrestling has been predicated on the heel versus the baby face, obviously, good guy versus bad guy As Vince- insert that clip here <laughs> yeah.
2: we also think that you're tired of the same old simplistic theory of
0: good guys versus bad guys.
3: What happened is around, I'd say, the Stone Cold Steve Austin era, although there was backlash towards other people before that, right? the anti-hero became the true babyface, and that was great. So even though the character wasn't what you'd call a Bob Backlund-esque face, but right? A
1: true baby but face. he was a true babyface. But he was a true babyface. And what we mean by true babyface, let's define true babyface. Yep. It's a babyface who everybody in the crowd's behind. There isn't obviously your exceptions of these dicks who don't like good people but <laughs> right of course but i'm for saying most like, part you look at the crowd and like 95% of the people right. are rooting for this person right. right like that's basically what what we mean by that we're talking hogan 87 Right, We're talking yeah.
3: Bruno, 77. We're talking Backlund, probably, in his early 80s, late 70s. We're talking Daniel Bryan,
1: 2013. Yes, yes, 14. Yes. yes. 14. That's a true babyface in the modern era, Right. Least.
3: We're talking Steve Austin, if I didn't say that, 98, The Rock, 2000. What happened is around then, when the shift of what a babyface was happened, that was still cool because everyone supported Austin, right, for the most part. They like, did. The overwhelming majority, everyone supported The Rock. It was really around the John Cena time that I can think of, where all of a sudden, around 2005, 2006, Mm -hmm. the number one babyface now began to get at least half the crowd booing him.
0: And it is deafening here! (laughs) Some cheering, some booing, many booing!
3: Let's walk it back. The character of a babyface Quinn is different than than it was in the is different now than it was then
1: right and i think we've always traced this back to like hogan's like the first baby face that isn't he's a true baby face in the sense that he gets rooted for right however you know he does kind of a dick he does things that are kind of not facey like beat up managers and cheat Right. <laughs> right. Or like if the uh, it's usually predicated off of like with Hogan at least, it's like, well that guy cheated, so I'm gonna cheat back. What would Gorilla Monsoon say, Quinn Fight fire with fire, Jess. Yeah. You he know, that kinda yeah. Definitely the Jess. Yeah. Now why won't the
0: referee disqualify them? That's the re- referee's prerogative. Yeah. A little biased if you ask me, gorilla. I mean, he fires Zeus out of here right at the get-go, and he's letting the Hulkamaniacs get away with murder. Did not Zeus knock the referee down twice, Jess? You can't put your hands on the referee. I don't care whether you got a Z on the side of your head or not, that's not legal.
3: But if you go further back than Hogan, or maybe simultaneous like a Dusty Rhodes in the NWA, Dusty was a true babyface, and he was also a fight fire with fire, but maybe not in... As underhanded I manner, Hogan did it of Hogan. a lot more, yeah. in, in my opinion. But now, what about Bruno? Bruno was not one to back down when provoked, but only when provoked,
1: right? Bobby there, Backwell, there was very thing. strict parameters, but I don't know. Hogan sometimes would take initiative, take liberties. Yeah, like he would, he would just go ahead with it. He would just. It was almost like he, like I assume they're bad people, so I'm not even going to like ask questions. You know, so
3: it came crashing down and it hurt inside, right? But anyway, so if you get through the 80s and you get into the 90s hogan even was starting to get backlash quinn but even wwf
2: 91
0: 92
3: what do you think started to cause this slow overtime paradigm shift and what a crowd is going to cheer for
1: well it's like two things it's like you know how we had jesse on the mic always saying like why do he do that like right. I, I think if you have you know somebody pointing out that's not exactly fair like it, he's supposed to be fair so hypocrisy is right. that is that one hypocrisy, way to put it right the other thing is just the general uh, the erosion was even happening in 91 this the smark fan and all sure. this like
0: fans are going to be uh, tuning in Tuesday night expecting Hogan to regain the title and the word that I have is Hogan is not going to regain the title that uh, Hogan may not even be there
1: Tuesday night well good for you you're wrong the slow erosion. So you combine the two together where the babyface, while well, when the fans didn't know dog shit, right. it was great for them to see like, Oh, he ain't gonna take it lying down, you know? Like right. that seemed appealing. Stick it to the man right. type of thing, right? Right. But now they're smart, Alex, who know that it's fake and blah, blah, blah. They're like, well, why isn't he just like, if this is a story, why isn't he acting like they're thinking about it too analytically?
4: So what happens when the face starts doing heel things and still gets cheered as if they were still doing face things? Are they a heel because of their actions or are they a face because the crowd still loves them?
3: I don't know. Right, and that's a great point. First of all, very good job on saying smart Alec and not wise yeah. Alec. I commend you. <laughs> no, that's good. Okay. Uh, but yeah, thinking analytically. But wasn't that bound to happen eventually with this thing called pro wrestling? Wasn't this bound to happen? Forget the Meltzers of the
1: world and his matches and all this stuff. I don't think it was bound to no? happen. Because really, the only reason these people knew anything was because of Dave Meltzer. I mean, he's kind of the cause.
3: I hate to say it, but it's, <laughs> it's So we're going to blame it all on Meltzer, huh?
4: And if they connect, that means that they're over. Even if they shouldn't be over, even if you don't want them to be over, if they're over, they're over. You know, I mean, I learned that a long time ago that you you don't go in there when somebody's over and then convince yourself that they're not over. You try to figure out why they're over. And if they have flaws, that if they have flaws and they're over anyway, that means, guess what? They're still over.
1: Tell me Before him, there was, you know, the Abner mags. I didn't say after, so okay. don't. Um, okay, I won't put the. Uh, that's no, my like. Bill's not like,
3: here. That's like the dang right, like the Western mags. Let's yeah, say yeah, the, <laughs> the dang
1: the Dag Nabbit. Yeah, before you know Meltzer, all you had was the Abner mags. Yes,
0: don't call them the Abner mags.
1: That was it. Right, like it, it, he didn't tell you, like uh, this guy's gonna win. This house show happened, blah blah blah. Right. He didn't use terms like face and
3: heel. No, they said fan favorite and rule breaker, which right. I love.
1: Either way, it, Meltzer exposed that, like, yeah, this is kind of theater, and like there's plans and stuff. Well, Talk to Mary Tyler Moore about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but saying that there's players, there's actors, and sure. That kind of thing. And once people know that, they're like, why isn't it operating like a movie or something?
3: Okay, fair enough. But let me ask you another question, just to play devil's advocate here, or Meltzer's advocate here. How many times can you tell the same story before the crowd gets sick of it and turns on it?
1: Well, look at the history of pro wrestling. They seem to modify the same good versus evil thing over and over and over. Well,
3: and ironically, like I've pointed out before, even Vince with his big, you know, grandstanding speech about good guy, bad guy. What was 1998? Yeah. Good Steve Austin versus
1: bad Vince McMahon. Ultimately, even though Austin was doing heel things. But Vince was worse, right? That was the implication. Well, what's funny about... Let's Vince, talk about Austin and Vince now, yeah. Vince being hated, right? Right. Even though he used evil means to get there, ultimately he was aiming for Austin to be, like, a goody two-shoes, right? Like, that Correct. was kind of, like, what... hit. That's why he was the bad guy, because he's like, no, you need to be, like, corporate. Well, he's and trying like, to change him, like yeah. Like, a good, a good role model, right? It's, that's what Vince would always say. It's like, why can't you be a role model? In this, like, effort to try to make him... He Vince became the bad guy, right? Like, right. Try, like, oh, like it's like, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to make you be a good guy. Like, you know what I mean? That was the
3: emphasis for the feud, right? Yeah. But do you think that the 90s, culturally, in terms of music... What was on TV, the overall shift, the move away from a lot of family sitcoms, a lot of what permeated pop culture. Do you think that, mixed with this fresh storyline, this hot character Steve Austin, do you think that was just a perfect recipe? And that was one of the key factors in leading to what we have today, where people don't want no goody two-shoes. People don't want what the machine is forcing them. Why did this all fall apart?
1: I don't think it's necessarily that. What is it then? It's the knowing part, the knowing that this is fake Like the more people knowing, and then them thinking, like, well, there's rules to how this should work. Because how we described how, like, ultimately the crowd recognized Austin as the good guy, and anything that he did within that, you know, construct, I guess, is that he's the good guy, right? Right. It doesn't matter how he does it because he's not. He's a good guy that doesn't follow the rules, but ultimately he's a good guy. He does what the fans want him to do. So, with destroying a Corvette with cement, right. Still a good guy act in their eyes
3: and within the construct. It's just that's been how it's, set up. it's just
1: how it's been perceived, right? Right. Whereas when people know. That this is an act, and that like there's there's good guy. When people are aware that there's good guys and bad guys, they perceive there's a certain way that they should act. And I don't think that was all the way there yet in Austin versus McMahon.
3: So, what has caused the backlash for John Cena? Let's say that started, like I said, two thousand five, two thousand six.
1: So, it's stu- I think personally, from what I observed, yep, is that people were like, he's winning too much, and we don't like that. But why didn't they react that way to Hulk Hogan? But they, because they just didn't know about that kind of deal. So they got more absorbed they were more involved in the
3: stories and more absorbed in wrestling and less outside the box during the Hogan era.
1: When you know that it's good guy versus bad guy right and you also know that they need to select their top good guy right? Right. You understand that by having John Cena win every match that's the guy that they're pushing down your throat and there the perception changes all of a sudden it's like well I didn't pick that so now I hate it. So it's the same thing that happened in Roman Reigns. Right.
3: It's the same idea. And the opposite happened with Daniel Bryan where the fans picked it and that's why they were willing to cheer his every move. Is yeah. that what you're
1: saying? And ironically, like the Austin versus McMahon feud yeah. is kind of it's kind of that backstage thing playing out in front of you on the stage. Right. But the fans just thought this is so cool. We're getting to see it, you know? I guess so, but don't you think it hurts that a lot of babyface characters for the last
3: 10-15 years have been written as jackasses and smart yeah. alecky? But th- this is the thing. That's to me
1: a response though by the writers as opposed yes. to the fans. That's a response right, right, right. by the writers saying like, well, if the fans know, then the babyfaces and the heels should also know. They should be aware, <laughs> you know, like that this isn't you, that this is fake. Like do you know how weird that is that yes. wrestling is a sp- is is a thing where let's just call it a play, right? It Imagine is. Theater if, you, in the round. if you watched a play yep. and the people in the play knew they were in a play. Like the characters were written to know that they're in a play. Right. Very meta. That's basically what wrestling is. Yeah. When you boil it down, I but guess. But that doesn't work from like a story perspective. You right. can't know you're in a story. Right. Like okay. to, to Why would, why would you do certain things if you knew you were in a story? So what is it going to take or
3: what does it take? I should say in 2019, for the crowd to fully be behind somebody. Let's take Becky Lynch. Why is that? And even that's probably going to erode soon.
1: I, I'm already seeing it yeah. erode. It really would have to take time and it really ne- I personally think the WWE they're kind of getting better at it and you know all wrestling is but they need to get better at holding their cards. Closer you know, to their vest. Closer to their vest not exposing things so that nobody really knows. Well it's I think it's tough and I think this is an interesting
3: point that you hit on about Meltzer and the and the overall culture of wrestling fans today, and I don't mean that dismissively, but when you're a fan now and you know both sides, meaning you know the in-ring stuff, what you see on TV, but you're also actively thinking in terms of behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. right, and who's getting pushed, who's not getting pushed. I think that, creates a weird dichotomy
1: or paradox perhaps yeah i think you know what was a good example of it playing out in their favor yeah was the daniel bryan storyline in like, 13 and 14 which was weird because the only way it played out right was that they accidentally picked the wrong people and then like the, yeah. pe- the the fan the ones the fans wanted he was just awesome right but they for some reason they caught it at the right time where they're like they started writing Daniel Bryan in a certain way where he was, like, reacting to this situation. Yes. Like, and it just worked. It just snowballed. Do you think one of the
3: key elements missing from wrestling right now, in WWE, let's say, yeah. is the crowd fully supporting the person on top? Because I've seen that since the Cena era. Yes. Where every, there's always a percentage, and usually a large percentage, Cena and then Roman, and it'll happen it with Becky. It shouldn't be larger than 10%, like,
1: It, ever. Sh- like, it
3: shouldn't <laughs> be, but I think... I almost feel like that's just the way things go now. It's just like literally someone will be hot. They stay pushed and then the fans start booing
1: like there's no winning. There's no way out of that. The problem is, is they're too aware once they perceive like, here's the weirder thing, right? Yeah. Is once the fans, they want something, right? They want Daniel Bryan to be the best. They want Becky Lynch to be the best or whatever. Right. Right. Because they also know, once they've pushed that and it's happened, like it, it's come to fruition, then once their guy that they initially pushed starts always winning, then they're like, Oh well they it's too much now and right. you know, like That's they're what never they're never fucking satisfied. I, I liken it
3: to an underground punk band or something. Yes. Everyone
1: is behind, and then
3: they sign to the ma- major label, exactly. and they still make good music, but now they fucking sold out, so we hate them.
1: Yeah, right? exactly.
3: And the machine's behind them now, but it, and how do we avoid this? Is what I'm, Well, not We, don't, we don't have to do anything. That's
1: the million-dollar question, honestly, is because, again, it, it has a lot to do with the feed of information that the fans know everything that's going on in the background. It's like if they just knew less, maybe they would enjoy it more. So basically, like, it's yeah. Meltzer's fault.
4: Um, um, so, um, yeah, just big disappointment.
1: (laughs) I mean, he's just one. Obviously now there's like tons of them like Alvarez and 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 stuff, but plenty
3: of wannabes out there too. Right.
1: But
4: I am looking forward to
1: the Ambrose Rollins match. I really am. But I just, I don't know. I really don't know. And when Meltzer, you know, I he can't live forever, I'm sure somebody like will take up that mantle. Oh, there's know?
3: already a ton of people trying Because 'cause to, I'm, I'm
1: just thinking in like thirty years right. when Meltzer isn't alive anymore or is retired, like one or the other, like somebody's gonna report that shit. Oh, of course. And and they should, I guess, but so
3: you really think that it's the the curtain being pulled so far back that now the curtain's on the floor? Basically, yep. and you have to go run and hide but if you don't want to see it. But also
1: think they can control what goes on the stage
3: because they can see behind the curtain. So the fans are the like, bookers now, essentially. And if they are not getting what they want or if they've gotten too much of what they previously wanted. Yeah. Now our attention spans are so short
1: that it's on to the next thing. I, Boom. I personally think I don't know why they don't do this, but they need to look back at successful examples in this time period of this work, I think that I, I still ultimately think the two that worked was the CM Punk thing yep. and Daniel Bryan in the modern they era. To, yes, they, they need to analyze how they wrote that <laughs> and, and really fully understand how to strike that balance where they didn't push him too much. Like, and I think WWE, I think part of the reason why people got mad when he was like losing the cane and stuff. Yeah. I actually wonder if that was some kind of concerted effort to not, Like they were trying to prevent the thing where they're like, oh, they're winning too much thing from happening. Like, were they actively thinking about that or like what happened? Like, it's just a balance.
3: It is a balance. And I think one, one more final thought here on my end here, and you folks can ponder this one, is it's become, in my mind anyway, less about fans reacting to what the characters are actually even doing anymore. Yeah. Meaning, it seems like, and maybe it's a reflection of the poor writing, that it's less about what they're saying or doing, and more about, well, we've just decided not to like this person.
1: Yeah. No, they, there's a preconceived right. like notion or something. Yeah. Right? Like, there's like a they just decided that we're not we, going to like this person. They're getting well, pushed it's always much. We, it's always, we don't like this person now, or we like this person now. Like, right. it's, like it's situational, right? It, it really is. And folks, I want to get your thoughts on this. I think there's a
3: lot of reasons. I think we covered probably only some of them. I'm sure there's more things that we haven't even thought of. But let us know what you think has contributed to the downfall of a true total babyface, meaning someone that the crowd is 90% in, in favor of. And I know you can't really measure that, but you know what I'm saying. Someone that the yep. crowd is just generally behind that isn't backlashing on and turning
1: on for no reason. Yeah, and also they're leading the company because it, you, th- right. there's always going to be people that in people are 100% behind but they're in the mid-card. Right, but, like, but I get what you mean. The, the top guy, the fate
3: lady yeah. the face of the company. Let us know what you think has contributed to that downfall. Is it Meltzer's fault and the sheets and things like that? Is it a reflection of culture? Did it start with John Cena? Did it start way earlier in the backland era? even? I don't know. Maybe it did. Let us know your thoughts. You can do that by reaching us on Twitter at OVPPodcast. You can email Email us or, of course, join the group. But, Quinn, when we come back, only six guys remain as we build the top ten list of the greatest commentators ever. Two more enter the mix. We'll find out who they are and where they fall right after this.
4: If you're a babyface, you want to be a guy... That every guy wants to hang out with, and every girl wants to fuck. That's who you should be. That that's if you're a baby face, that's what you should aspire to. The guys are like, like Sandman. Oh, you know, of course, women didn't want to fuck him, but you know, every guy wanted to hang out with the Sandman. He was such a great character that you know, where guys are like you know, where Cena, the guys boo him. All. Yeah, from what I understand, I, I haven't watched their show. I haven't watched. Gabe, I don't watch any wrestling anymore, um, and hopefully, I will again soon. But but apparently, Cena gets booed a lot by the by the guys because. They think he's either too pretty, or they don't, you know, or they don't think he's talented enough, or they don't see, they don't see him. He's not a guy that they want to hang out with. The women want to fuck him, and the kids want to, you know, hey, he's cool. But that's why he's alienated a part of the audience. The reason Flair always turns babyface is because, well, back in the day, women wanted to sleep with him. But for the most part, wrestling's a male audience. So basically, guys wanted to hang out with him. They wanted to go and party with the Nature Boy. Who wouldn't? You know, that's why people wanted to hang out with Nash. That's why people want to hang out with Scott Hall. That's why people become babyfaces. You know, a guy like the Sandman who never complains, never bitches, smokes a cigarette, drinks a beer, and hits you in the head with a cane? I want to hang out with him, you know? That's fucking cool.
3: And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast here on episode number 118 on February the 18th, 2019. Hey, Quinn, we mentioned that our Patreon construction is complete. Beep, beep,
1: beep. The construction is complete.
3: That's it. We've paid the contractors. That's,
1: that's, that's the devices moving out. The, a the vehicles. Oh, the, the vehicle. Yeah, the
3: vehicles. <laughs> Folks, thanks for being with us here. And I just want to shout out the Patreon real quick. We do have one. It's not about getting rich and trying to make a living off doing this. But if you want to support the show, if you like what we do here, Go to Patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. We have three rewards tiers. Real quick, I'll tell you what they're all about. For two bucks, you get to see the raw video feed. That means everything, every move that Quinn and I are making right now. Every
1: shirt that we're wearing.
3: Every shirt that we're wearing, you get to see the raw video feed that includes content before the show in the breaks and after the show it's a fun time and it's released every single monday with the standard audio episode that you're listening to right now that's for two bucks and it also includes the back archives of the mount rushmore and death valley extras and the ovp commentaries so for two bucks a month you can do that or if you want to add another buck to the pot there $3, three dollars you get all that stuff i just mentioned and every other friday you get quinn and i as we live review the
1: wwf from 1982 quinn it is heating up a little bit it's heating up it's also sometimes we have to re-review because we uh continuity error it up yeah we do continuity <laughs> error it. Up. but you know we're, we're completists over here we've done every single piece of uh, a <laughs> championship exists. or all-star that we could you know, because vhs wasn't very common yeah. as common in 1982 people didn't record everything right
3: and uh, now we're in October, and we're getting through towards 1983, so check that out. That's on the $3 tier. And the new tier just released recently. It's finally all finished. It's nice and shiny. It's the $5 tier. This includes everything we just mentioned, but once a month, you're going to get Quinn and I in a fully produced, finished audio podcast on a separate feed, reviewing chronologically every WWF pay-per-view. WrestleMania is out, folks, and if you want to check that out again, that's on the $5 tier. You can donate or undonate, upgrade and downgrade at any time, so yeah, give it no, a shot.
1: There's no contracts no, here. No, no. It's not like AT&T no, or it's Verizon yeah. or maybe T-Mobile. Yeah, it's not like T-Mobile. Yeah, one, one of those. <laughs> so
3: check it out if you want to. If you want to donate, patreon.com show VP podcast. And hey, if you don't want to, that's fine too. We're thankful that you're listening. But Quinn, we are doing the Royal Rankings here, as I mentioned. There's 14 guys now on the board. Only 10 or above that threshold, that uh, Mendoza line, if you will. A Mendoza <laughs> line of, uh, of announcers, people. yeah. Yeah,
1: announcers, yeah.
3: So what the Royal Rankings is, folks, is each week here, season by season, Quinn and I build a top 10 list of something. And this week, we're doing commentators, or this year, this season, we're doing commentators. Now, the 20 entrants that we take out of the pool and we put into the mix here. We're the voting, High pool, The High Puel. We're voted on by you the fans. So you can't get mad at us for the selections. All we do is do a random drawing every week. It's on the raw video. I'm still wondering about
1: Jim Cornette. <laughs>
3: <laughs> who picked that? And we rank them and we rank them holistically, Quinn, right? Very whole. It's very, very holistic. Veryistic. We're not just going by who our favorites are or who is the best technical. It's a mix of everything. Let's run down right now the current top 10 and the bottom 4 as of last week. At number 1, the new number 1 from last week is Bobby the Brain Heenan. Bubsy. Yeah, Boobsy, Bubsy, baby. <laughs> yeah, boobs. Yeah. The Whistle. Uh, and number two is Jesse the Body Ventura.
1: Very, very close. Very serious. And it, that was a very yeah. close Man, ranking there, too. I, I couldn't even believe who was playing that music in the background. It was I, I, rough. I, I, it's like people were playing instruments. Oof. They were so into it. Yeah, very into it. Number three, still holding strong, though, is Tony Schiavone.
3: Hey, up there, Shivani. Yeah, he shouldn't be as high up as number four, Lance Russell. I don't know what you're talking? You are about. getting accused of being biased against the South, even though Tony Shivani is yes. from uh, the can South. Can
1: someone explain this to me? They're like, "Oh, you just don't like Southern people." I'm like, Tony
4: Shivani was in WCW the whole time. He never
1: was. He was up north for like a year, and he and he is Southern.
3: Yeah. Uh, number five though, Joey Styles, very impressive yeah. for the little ECW that could. You know, very
1: Eastern, very Eastern. He's very Eastern.
3: Number six, very royal, Jerry the King Waller. He likes to drink his royal. Tea, yeah, number two. Right up there. <laughs> number seven, Mauro Ronaldo
1: Mamma Mia. Mamma mia. Number eight, Mike the old cheese voice himself. I can't you know what? I have to say I can't believe old cheese breath is still like <laughs> in the top 10 I know it's in unbelievable <laughs> yeah. know. number nine i
3: wish we could make him higher higher but science yeah bob coddle it's always the science that hurts coddle. that's all it is we don't mean to he's just that's where he scientifically Those ranks microbes and atoms <laughs> yeah, you know, ever it <laughs> number, always hurts him number 10 is paul Heyman, who's I feel a very like large you should man. be higher though. i feel like he should be thinner <laughs> I yeah.
1: okay <laughs> leave them alone will you
3: <laughs> there's so much of them it's hard not to and then the bottom four 11 taz 12 michael Co yeah 13 Sean Mooney and 14 Jim cornetta yep and that is the royal rankings we're gonna add two more quinn so why don't we go ahead and see what the fink has to say
0: ladies and gentlemen it is now Sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Ryan to begging for another high, but Rhodes touch
2: Sherry first. His name's Fred Katal. <laughs> silly name for a Japanese wrestler, Fred. Austin in the jacket. Stone Cold! Stone Cold!
3: Stone Cold! So we've got a great matchup here.
4: His eyes are closed. He can't open them.
3: Rankings week eight. Quinn, we are getting down really now to the nitty and the gritty. Only six guys were left in the pool. Got to pick them up from the pool. You mean Peel? In the pool? And, folks, we've run down the names here. It was a hotly contested uh, grapple for the top spot last a tangle, week, as we if mentioned. You will. It was a tangle as Bobby Heenan met Jesse Ventura for the number one spot. Bobby Heenan, the whistle, ultimately prevailed. But Quinn, without any further preamble here, We've got two more people to bring in, so why don't we all find out now who drew number fifteen?
4: The ceremonial sword that Fuji always carries. And look at Fuji, he's still using that cane. And Axe is down, his eyes are closed, he can't open them. He's obviously in a lot of pain there.
3: Well, Quinn, Axe's eyes were closed and he couldn't open them.
1: You're so right, Sean! Oh, my God. Lord Lord Alfred, Alfred, he made it, folks. I'm so happy. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his lordship. I'm a little scared of his prospects, but Uh, um, he'll, he'll try. He'll try here.
3: Okay, so Lord Alfred Hayes... He's a name that I think a lot of WF fans remember, right? Yep, a lot of them. The the old Englishman. Yep. He was a wrestler, first and foremost. And then in the late 70s, early 80s, he retired from wrestling. He was also a manager around the same time. And in late 1983, he made his way to the World Wrestling Federation and became a backstage interviewer, a very awkward one for a a little while. A little
1: awkward, especially at (laughs) wrestling. Awkward, Alfred,
3: as we called him. As we have. Uh, And then he was also started to sit in as a color commentator around 84 i believe it was normally with gorilla monsoon yeah. he would do a lot of msg house shows uh, in 84 85
1: 86 87 and occasionally thereafter even all the way up to 92 I, would, I wouldn't call him gorilla's partner because he developed an actual partner
3: he had a, a full-time partner uh, starting around 1989 until well yeah about 89 until 93 and that would be sean mooney they were together yeah. constantly <laughs> yes those two the, the coliseum video pals yep and they also did a, a lot of the primetime time a exclusives. lot of prime time they were all over primetime. they were all over primetime.
4: Great moves and counter moves and counter counter moves. Yes. Nicely explained, Alfred. (laughs) Yes, I don't think we're ever going to keep up with them. Do you, Sean? Only in slow motion, I think. I'm sure Please, you're calling the play here. I couldn't do
0: it.
3: But he was with Gorilla a lot on the MSG stuff. That's mainly where yeah. you find those two together, 86, 87.
2: Nice shoulder block, prog by leap. He comes back with a drop, catches him standing there thinking about it. Can't do that. Nice arm drive. picks a big Korean over.
3: You know, sometimes the big Korean fellow is a little bit slow upstairs with his uh, thoughts
1: through the game, whereas his physical reactions are very fast indeed.
3: Uh, and again, sometimes
1: as part of a three-man team with Gorilla and Bobby. <laughs> would you consider that the meeting of the, like, Coliseum and the in-arena yeah, lines? The representative from Coliseum. <laughs> Coliseum. <laughs> I wish Lord Alfred had a Coliseum hat that he would wear, like, to <laughs> rep, like, maybe given to him by Hillbilly Jim. That sounds about yeah. right, yeah, because Hillbilly Jim, like, ran Coliseum yeah, videos. <laughs> it's like CEO
3: of Coliseum video or something. But his lordship had his own style. He would slightly lean heel. Now, he was mainly a heel when he was a wrestler and a manager, so as a commentator, he wasn't
1: quite heel. I would say with was slightly. very inconsistent. With <laughs> yeah, okay, that. that's like, fine. Like he liked Sherry a lot, and it was creepy. You're a but, dirty old man. But he also, I don't know, he would like compliment the faces. He and would. Like, He's he, a fine young man. But he would compliment the managers too. He's I, very smart. The mouth of the South there, the tunnel. Yeah, seems <laughs> so, like that. But at the it's just so weird. He's so. Even Steven with I, this, like, I guess he was just like he came across as a light-hearted Englishman
3: that was just happy to be able to commentate the wrestling matches. That's how say he came so. across. Yeah,
1: yeah, just very happy
3: to be there. Now, for some reason, during the uh, the Smark era of Scott Keith in the late nineties and other <laughs> internet writers of that time, everyone seemed to make fun of Lord
1: Alfred and said he was horrible. I, <laughs> well, guys, he's not that bad. I don't he's think okay. he's. I don't think he's that bad. But there is, it's something like he doesn't know where he is sometimes or he's he seems confused or whatever i don't, I don't think he's that bad as a, a color man because i think he really tries to put everything over i suppose but he just always seemed minor like compared to the other color men and well, i think that's what hurts him the most is because in a company where you have jess and bobby yeah, that's like true. it's like lord alfred's like <laughs> i don't know like tier. Yeah, like, well, he's him not and, like, he's not really much of anything. Him and Hillbilly
3: would be like the the bottom <laughs> tier of yeah. the, the commentators during that period of time. But I still think despite that that he was still a skilled broadcaster. Not an all-time great. I think skilled is being
1: a little Oh, come on. A little- Ridiculous! You
3: really but, do. I mean, I thought he was just like a pleasant. All right, is to he me, a, he's
1: he's there because he was a wrestler and he's English. Like, yeah, and he's English, right? I think they wanted there to seem like, oh, look, he sounds smart because he's English. like <laughs> to Ameri- to Americans. This is weird. I I guess if you're from the British Isles, this might sound strange to you, but if you have an English accent for some reason, that automatically makes you seem smarter. I guess so. Yeah, a lot of...
3: It's true. It's a stereotype here in America that, you know, if you're smart, you have a posh accent. I
1: think it's like a subconscious thing with a lot of people, too. It's not even like... It's not even a stereotype as much as they just expect that, like, that's what a really smart person sounds like. Maybe. Maybe. I think Lord Al and
3: Gorilla are an underrated team. I'm going to go on the record and say that. I really have a fun time listening to them analyze these horrible opening matches in the NXT <laughs> wow. shows. They're great at it.
2: Nice arm ringer now by... Tony Atlas, oh, one arm, back flip and reverses it very nicely.
0: We're going to see a lot of those kind of moves up before this one is over.
2: And I'm really pleased to see that because I know that Lani was always um, psychologically impaired by the fact that he thought he was a little bit slight, and he thought if I train him over
1: bulk myself, he won't be able to perform those maneuvers, but here he is, he's doing it.
3: I think Lord Al was great with Tony Schiavone in 89. He's okay. They yeah, were, that's
1: that's not bad.
3: They were good together. They did Boston, I think. Maybe some MSG and Meadowland shows. I also think Lord Al and Mooney, as we've mentioned before, are dulcet. It's it's pleasant Very to listen dulcet. to.
1: I always like that description you yeah for them. They're
3: dulcet. not really trying on Coliseum, and yeah. I don't blame them.
4: As youngsters, they played rugby. Oh. Really? Yes. Well, Your Lordship, I have to say that that is... Uh... One great sport. It is. I know that you've partaken in a few games of rugby. I know people find that hard to believe, but I kind of stayed out on the end there and uh, waited until they passed me the ball and I would run in and touch it down.
3: I think we'd also be remiss, Quinn, if we didn't mention Lord Alfred's ill-advised heel commentator run in the AWF in like 95 and 6. As we
1: said, Lord Alfred was like, he was kind of complimentary to both like heels. and WWF, yeah. But in AWF, he comes in and now he's just purely heel He's just a heel again As yeah. we were saying pure baby faces no Lord was a Pure heel in AWS. And not a good one. And he one. also dressed like um the pirate pi- the pirate put like you remember from the fast times at Ridgemont High when yes. he got that <laughs> job as the pirate <laughs> guy or whatever, <laughs> like at that restaurant. That is what like, it was. he had the same outfit and he just looked stupid and, and he, he said dumb stupid. things, and he was like obnoxious. It wasn't good.
2: The invasion of the Road Warriors to the American Wrestling Federation. What tremendous news. I never expected a bum show like this.
0: This is absolutely wonderful, wonderful news.
1: Can you talk over the guy that's already talking over the matches? Like, <laughs> yeah, as we pitched about in that yeah. last AWF review
3: that we did. But overall, Lord Alfred had a pretty long career as a commentator. I mean, did it for about ten years total, I'd say. Yeah, I, it was fruitful, I suppose. And I think one thing that you can say about him is he was willing to do the dirty work. He was willing to do all this coliseum
1: shit in Stanford. He I'll, was- s- I'll say this about him: he, at the very least, was like a character. He like, was that's the weird thing about alfred because i always think of him more as a character than a commentator for example remember when we were watching that like donny brook theater and he was he's the announcer on that but yeah. he's not he's like this grumpy man like sitting in a corner like playing a character basically yes, exactly as and the I, announcer. I always felt like he was a character like you know a wrestler character sure that was on commentary welcome to the world premiere of donny brook theater Act one. Take one.
3: Why the fuck did this exist?
1: I wouldn't call my guest commentator, but he—he no, he a regular. But he acts like a guest commentator, I but he's a so. regular. That sums it up that, in my brain, and basically. that's a—that's a fine way to look at it. I thought he did an adequate
3: enough, pretty good job. I don't understand all the hate for him. If you really, maybe it's because of his accent, but if you really listen to a lot of the stuff that he said, especially with Gorilla when he was trying more because yeah. he was on TV. He's not bad. The stuff he says isn't
1: asinine or insipid. It's fine. It's not amazing, but he's he's also from a bygone era when it wasn't like entertainment. It was like you know a real sport. And I sometimes I notice him mentioning things like it's like oh I really you know got a lot of leverage there, like (laughs) leverage, you know know, stuff like. Maybe that was kind of off putting because Girl Munson's more big entertainment t- t- style. For the most part, yeah, you know yeah. what I
3: mean? But I also think that he could roll with anyone that he was with. He had a good sense of humor. Yeah. He was able to just adapt to. I mean, honestly, he was go- I, good with every partner that I I've heard him with. I always
1: enjoy him laughing. He seems more real than a lot of people. I mean. Announcers. A real guy, he happy is- to do his job when the other announcer makes a joke, he actually will laugh at it. And, ha, ha, ha. and sometimes <laughs> he'll even, like, sometimes he'll really break and actually, like, really, it's not like a fake, like, right. he's trying to make the guy sound funny. It's like he really thought that that was funny and it right. made him laugh. Right,
3: and if he's with a Bobby and Gorilla, he'll laugh at either
1: of them. Right, Like, exactly. he's indiscriminate about it. if Gorilla says something funny, he'll laugh. If Bobby says something funny, he'll laugh. I would say... What's nice about him is especially when you had contentious like Gorilla and Bobby and say if Lord Alfred was with them, which I believe that's happened before. and A
3: bunch of MSG shows. Yeah,
1: like it would feel like Lord Alfred was like the icebreaker. Right, like he was kind of like the in- intermediary between the two the little Englishman
3: it yeah. you know, was just with them to, to carry things along and keep things moving
4: definitely the most gifted of that particular team I have seen Tanaka in singles action before and he really is an exciting wrestler to
2: watch
3: what do you say Kato's a ham and egger no we didn't say that I personally like him
1: like you said, I'm not really high on his prospects here. We'll have to find out. <laughs> once you start comparing him to people, I think that's when he gets in trouble. And maybe that's why the Smarks and Scott were like down on him because they were so they were like, well, there's other announcers, so they're better. So why? Yes. Why should we have to deal with Lord Alford when this <laughs> is like a WWF product that has all these other announcers at their disposal? True. And I think the answer to that
3: is not everyone's going to work all the time. Right. It's still Alfred real people. Like,
1: he's, he's the guy that works the late shift. He took the like, Mooney gigs. Yeah. I mean, he took the Coliseum shit. Yeah. it's He's the stuff that nobody wants. And he did all these Coliseum segments. He did TNT for <laughs> think, two years. I think it's just the matches that he commentates, like people associate that with him. So it's kind of yes. like he's junky. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
3: honestly, he didn't, he never really did anything. No- you know what he did do? He was with Gorilla for Bret Hart's first title win on Coliseum. And, and that ladder match with yeah. Shawn and Bret. And he's like, mm. Bret Hart's sort of
1: a nice type wrestler. You and know? there, I think that's when he was out of his element, honestly. Because you're so used to him in these matches that don't fucking matter. That's what you associate with him. right? And then when you have him commentating a big moment, it's kind of like what? Like, I mean, this doesn't feel right. Like,
3: something's wrong here. It's true. It's like a Mooney where you really don't need him for a big moment, which is funny because uh, Lord Alfred got pressed into service because they needed to spread the roster out at WrestleMania 2. Mm-hmm. Lord Alfred, Jesse, and Elvira Oh God, yeah. called the main
1: event of WrestleMania 2 like LA. you said that was simply out of like necessity because nobody can be in every three place places at once. once yeah that i guess the ultimate use of lord alfred and that kind of sums him up right you use him when you don't have anybody else i guess so right and that's going to be his problem on the ranking is that he's there when you don't have the good people right yeah i guess that's true well that's lord
3: alfred that was number uh 15 why don't we find out now quinn who drew number 16. This, I knew this day would come eventually, Quinn. One, two. No, oh, no,
0: so
1: close. So, so
3: close. Oh, wow. Vince McMahon <laughs> got a, a lot of votes, I'm just going to say. And obviously. Uh, well, with, in, with I, reason, th- th- I with think. With reason, um, I
1: think. Okay, say what you will about Vince. Good I know man. a lot of people harp on Vince and have problems with his over exaggerated style. But it's usually when people say that, they're
3: thinking of like 93 to 97 Vince. Right. Yo, up, boy.
2: History. Oh no! It's not
1: so close. Most of his career, he was by himself. Actually, he was like by most himself of, for over ten years. He was kind of like Joey
3: Styles in that sense, in a way. I mean, from seventy one is when he became an announcer. He replaced Ray Morgan, the guy that we talked about a few weeks yes.
1: ago. Vince is the second announcer of all time, right? In WWF. on, on
3: WWF heavyweight res- or championship wrestling.
1: That's enough. is crazy.
3: That's crazy, right? Yeah. And Vince from seventy one until the mid eighties. Pretty much played it straight, like mm-hmm. a straight broadcaster. Right. In the vein of a Bob Cottle yes. or a Lance Russell or mm-hmm. Gordon Soley. Mm-hmm. He was not uh, as skilled as any of them. No. He didn't know <laughs> as many wrestling moves, probably. No.
1: But I mean, he, he was he was very territory. meaning He that, was very like, Northeast. He was there because his dad owned the company. Yep, and I mean, ne- like, seriously. Yes, and they needed someone to do it. And right. I think it was Ray
3: Morgan got into a dispute with Vince Sr. I don't even know that. I think that's why. Mm. That's interesting. So, he was pretty much a straight laced announcer, very, uh, methodical, mm-hmm. very serious, mm-hmm. not animated, not over the top.
0: John Valiant trying to get the upper hand, tags brother Jimmy, here he comes. And John Valiant holds Tony Guerrilla wide open. It was when the WWF
3: itself became animated and, and over the top. It. And once he owned it, that Vince went along with that. And I wager to say that 85 to about 90. Vince is still damn good. He's pretty damn good, actually. Like, I yeah, don't think he's that bad. I think he's a perfect partner for Jesse. Right. And he knew his product. Mm-hmm. He knew what he wanted to get over. And yeah. he only trusted one other guy during that period of time to do it besides him on a month. big stage in Gorilla, right? Other than that, that was Vince's shit to do. Who did all the network shit on Saturday night's main event and the main event? Vince. Vince. Who did the pay-per-views when it wasn't Gorilla? And I'm talking like 92. Who like filled in? Vince. Vince, all the way until 97 when he let JR do it by himself again.
1: Yep. Right? He's a solid announcer. Um. I guess what sticks out to me against him is that he's not remarkable. No, he's not. And
3: he's really grading by the mid-90s. Yes. But as we've always said, he had to, like, yell over the dog shit of his product by, like, 95.
1: Yes, he, he definitely did. He screamed
3: louder the worse the product was, I feel like.
0: Come A fan's on. very much behind. You Santiago gotta go <laughs>
1: Here's the weird thing about Vince, and correct me if I'm wrong, but okay. I feel like I don't associate big moments with him, which is weird. Well, like, he called a lot of them too, but that's the thing is yeah. he did. But I think of big moments with Gorilla or, or, JR. J- or Jr. Vince hmm. feels like, oh, this is superstars. Like, well, that's a thing. Like you know, he's so strongly associated with the with the weekend day superstars. Show, yeah, right. Which was the and day, Raw, which was the everyday product and Raw. Yeah, he's not associated with the special moments. I mean, he called a lot of them too. That's the weird thing. Well, because
3: people were gone. Like that's and he didn't like anyone else doing it. Right. Exactly. He called. Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, both of right. them from 94. He called the Razor he could Ramon shot. He
1: called the Iron Man. Yeah. Very well, I might add. Do you feel that even, you know, those couple years between Gorilla and getting JR, that he felt very replacement only on pay per views, though? Anytime I saw him at pay per view when Gorilla
3: or JR were there
1: still, yes.
3: Yeah. Meaning like SummerSlam and Survivor Series 92. Yep. And then SummerSlam '93, so yeah, like where Vince was just the pay per
1: view guy again. Let me ask you this: Yeah, would Vince? Do you think would he ever have been able to survive? You know, like in another company? I, I know that would an um, announcer happened, but say he was say he didn't own a company and he was just he was a guy that I want to be an announcer. Yes. So that's what I want to do. He you, had the talent. You think like say he went he didn't own WWF and he just said I'm going to work at WCW now. Like I think so. I think he
3: had the talent. I think that. It's actually really remarkable that he was able to do it the way he did while running the company and owning the company. Yeah, if you really I, think well, about actually,
1: it. Well, actually, I think that's that's an unfair advantage if you ask me because Why? he knows exactly what needs to be put over. Because I guess he he's doesn't actually writing it. Like, okay, true. And he can change up whatever he wants to say on the fly because it's his thing. Okay, you know like, what? That's a great point. He can, like, if he wants to, he can recharacterize a guy on the fly because he great can. Great point. Like, and that's kind of. That's a bullshit thing, and that, that gives him you know a leg Good. up on everyone else. That's
3: true. He doesn't have to prepare. Right. Because running it, the company it, it's is his vision, it's a, right? so it's whatever he wants well it to Well said, Quentin. You know what? I'd never thought of that, but you're right. And I do think he started to rely almost strictly on that, probably out of necessity by the mid 90s. Like he was just there to bark and scream over everything. And that's when he became probably a very irritating announcer. Yeah,
1: unlike all the guys that we kind of get on or actually compliment them for winging it. right? Vince winging it is literally him rewriting the damn show like to his vision. That's like, true. And it's it's unfair. He wasn't a good move caller either. He was no. better
3: earlier, and then he just stopped trying. Once no. again, I think just out of necessity. Yeah. He knew the storylines and the
1: characters. I'm not going to say that's bad, because he's trying to convey a product he's trying to sell. True. He's ultimately a commentary, a salesman. Absolutely. And a barker, yeah. I'd say. I mean, really, a carny, but he's really trying to. He's he's almost like the guy at the carnival says, "Step right up! Here's this or that." Like you know, he was practically doing that when he
3: when he did Sunday Night Heat. Yeah, and then I realized why it was him on Sunday Night Heat. You know, in halftime heat i'm talking yeah. about in 99 right even though he hadn't been an announcer in over a year it was because it was on freaking mtv during the super bowl and he right. trusted
1: and jr had bell's palsy right and he trusted himself to convey to a mainstream audience correct. and it makes sense also why he was on saturday night's main event correct like, exact same like, reason I, I don't want anyone to screw this up i have a vision for this yep. it's this way and yep. it's no other way and yep. i don't even want a chance that right. anybody would interpret it another way but that doesn't
3: make him a good announcer but by, by default
1: yeah it like i said it's an unfair advantage right it makes him
3: a good announcer to him to himself
1: yeah, i mean he he's the number one announcer if the product is his product it, like it's, yeah. it's unfair like right he can write it to say like i am the best announcer like yeah it, it's stupid it's There's, not it's not really fair to the other guys and i think that to me it brings him down because like you said he's not a good move caller no he's really not. so like This guy doesn't even need to know the fucking fundamentals to be a good announcer. Like because the moves are called what he says they're called. True. you know what I mean? Which is generally by the nineties a maneuver. maneuver? (laughs) Yeah. But I'm just I'm just making a point. It's like he knows the finishing hold names because he
3: Of course, he (laughs) he co signed them or he signed off on them. Exactly. Yeah, there's not a lot of great Vince calls. You're right. There's the Boyhood Dream is the one that I remember, but that's yeah. it. I
1: don't remember a lot. The Phenom, like it, it's just a lot of bites, a sound bites. Wembley in '92, he called that, and like, I don't remember what he nothing, said. There's yeah, exactly. There's nothing re-
3: remarkable. I don't remember what he said when Razor beat Sean for the IC title in the ladder match. Yeah, you would think I would. I love a lot of those matches too, but I really don't. I think you're that's right.
1: Saying a lot. You just there's nothing remarkable because it. again it's the company line there's nothing there's nothing extra tacked on to it it's not it's like in gorilla's case right he's taking the company line giving his interpretation to it but what so is is jr what vince is saying is literally the company line like this is what you're supposed to think of this person based off how how (laughs) i wrote him
3: that's excellent analysis quinn and i think that brings us now to ranking time running down now real quick the top 10 Bobby Heenan, Jesse Ventura, Tony Schiavone, Lance Russell, Joey Styles, Jerry Lawler, Mauro Renallo, Mike Tanay, Bob Caudle, and Paul Heyman. And in the bottom four, we have Taz, Michael Cole, Mooney, and Cornette. Lord Al, where are we starting him? Who? I think his partner, Sean Mooney, is a good place That's to start him. That, uh, yeah. Ironically, I just said who, but. I mean, actually, I, is he even better than Cornette? He is
1: because, again, Ugh. he did it more. You're still hanging on to that thread, huh? Folks, he can't just commentate in like Nowheresville and somehow be better than guys that were doing it on a main level, and especially guys on a main level who weren't like overtly fucking up like Mike Adamly or something. Like, (laughs) okay, but here's the thing: on a technical
3: level, as far as what a color commentator should be, yeah, Jim Cornette is better. Technical level, yes, right. We agree on that. Yep. Are we only doing technical though here? On no, Royal it's Rankings? holistic. Right, exactly. It's totally holistic. Science. Remember folks, science. science. Beaker. We have beakers. Mitochondria. Yep. Would you say microbes? Yeah, we do. We um, do. Cell wall. But what is gonna really put him above Corn I mean, Cornet's a better color man. Lord Hayes did it uh, a lot He did. Cornette it a allegedly lot. Yeah. did, but i never heard it. No.
1: I know he did, folks, in the NWA and Can then he, he also
3: did a lot of WWE let me, stuff. Let me
1: put this into play. Do you feel comfortable when when cornets there does it feel comforting and like you want to listen to it or does it just feel annoying and like you don't like you don't really care and you could do with someone else
3: i don't mind cornet at all but yeah. it's not he's not supposed to be comforting i don't think lord al is
1: yeah i'm just uh, my point is is that lord al is like very feel good yeah he like, is feel good it's oh man actually it's sort of hard i i, I can't believe i'm saying this but there, it's it's actually like Quite possible that Cornet may be a little better. Well, I'm comparing him to Cornet, Lord
3: Hayes, because they're both color men. I I think Lord Al is probably, honestly, probably better than Sean Mooney overall.
1: I do too, but, and that that's interesting. You say that, but because not that might.
3: Yeah, that might. Mm. I mean, Mooney Mooney happens to be above Cornet, so if we have to hop over Cornet, and <sighs> you know, fine.
1: See, we're almost developing into tears here because when we think of a Cornet a Sean Mooney right. or Lord Al to me again they're in the guest range like they're not the normal commentator
3: well like, I mean like, Mooney and Hayes didn't do like regular broadcast television
1: right exactly they're not every day they're on very particular matches that are on like primetime or calcium video or something and they're not even on all of them cornet like, they're just on yeah. some of them
3: cornet did a lot of shotgun though but I didn't get shotgun so I never watched it really <laughs> again, that's why I didn't abandon forest commentator right. over here I think Hayes is a better overall as far as what a wrestling commentator should
1: be. I think he's better than Mooney. I don't think he's better than Michael Cole. I think he has a better character than Cornette, too. Because I think think he's got a more developed character. Cornette's just a heel. Cornette is just like, motherfucker, I hate everything. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, seriously, like... That even on commentaries like that, it's <laughs> Kind like, of. He puts stuff over, though, I guess Quinn. he does, but I, He's I just... Good. You know what the thing is I always think about with Cornette, especially in WF? Yeah. Is, like, just <laughs> that video of him, those videos that he released of him just, like, in bitching about how, like, everything sucks. Yeah, but like, that's not really commentary. Yeah, but that's the only character we ever really got of Jim Cornette other than guy that has a rack and stupid <laughs> outfits on, like... <laughs>
3: Manages Vader for no reason. Yeah. But Mooney... Okay, Mooney and Hayes... I uh-huh. think Hayes is better, but it's it's hard because Cornette and Hayes are like almost the same level in my book. But for some reason, it's jumping out at me that Hayes should be
1: above Mooney. Like, he's just better at it. Yeah, he is. Mooney's it's not like, that good. Sorry, Casey. When I Casey. Think of that combination of the two, Yeah, it's clear to me that Hayes is the veteran. And even Sean Mooney himself oh, God, he's admitted said it. He's that like, like, Hayes was guiding him along.
3: WrestleFest 88, July of 88, you were already on play-by-play. Now, you were brand new, I know that much, because you had just started uh, in 88, and you're calling matches a couple of months into your tenure. What the hell was that like, to be calling play-by-play that early?
2: Oh, man, it was tough, you know? And thank God for Lord Alfred Hayes, because (laughs) if
3: it wasn't for him and Gorilla, uh, and the fact that Alfred took me under his wing.
1: He knew what to do. He just except, wasn't the best at it. No, no, no. It's that he knew what to do, but he was playing one side of it. Like, he could have done both. Right. But the point was is that he was assigned to be the color. He did some play-by-play when uh, when he had to. It was very rare, but he has done it. Here's the thing also. Lord Alfred is a true commentator. At least that's how I perceived him. Right. As opposed to even Mooney was more of a backstage interviewer and Cornet was more of a manager. Right, true. Well, Hayes did
3: everything, though, Quinn. He was on Tuesday Night Titans, like we mentioned. Yeah. He did the backstage stuff. But I just, he was
1: more... Rec- after Tuesday Night Titans. He, yeah, he was more of a commentator. He was more of a commentator. I, other than, like, I guess he did interview people sometimes. He did. Like, sometimes at a pay-per-view, he'd just, like, randomly appear. Yeah, but it Hayes was like, stuff. A, but actually, no. Coliseum exclusives, usually. Those were, those were usually. vignettes for Coliseum. They usually. weren't even on the broadcast. Usually, yeah. yeah.
3: I am okay with putting him above Mooney, but I can't hop him above Cole.
1: No, he's just, not no, as prolific I, as Cole. Yeah, I can't like. I agree. Even as much as I hate Michael Cole, he's better than Lord. So okay, I think that's a fair spot for him. Like right above Mooney. Right above Mooney. That's the number thirteen Below. spot. So <laughs> yeah, not did not even the top. 10. I didn't even expect him to like graze ten. Right. Like, what
3: about Vince McMahon? I mean, I'm thinking. Tell me what you think here. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking we put him up against Mike Tenay or Bob Caudle.
1: See, I was going to jump on the, about
3: Morrow levels. you think he's better than Bob Cottle? Come on.
1: Yeah, I kind of do.
3: I. Oh, God, why? Okay, let's hear why. I mean, you were the one that kind of just said why he's not that good.
1: I did, but... <laughs> so I'd like to hear this. To that point where he can just write whatever he wants. Yes. It, it edges him over guys that aren't as remarkable, like Cottle. <laughs> like, Cottle, well, you have to remember, he's the secondary lead the lead <laughs> he's yeah the, he's the two lead which is kind of a is that like an oxymoron what is the word for that but yeah it would be an oxymoron
3: but vince is only the lead because it's his company not because he's the best at right
1: but that he always was like he never wasn't well of course and he, it's his company but also he was pretty decent at it we we did say that like he, I, he was I never, agree. he never did anything that i would like say like wow that he is just the worst he was good at
3: keeping things flowing someone was talking recently and i forget who it was on our board that he never seemed to quite relax as a commentator thus his banter with people the like bobby and stuff like that and king felt engineered or something it was always a little hectic yeah and i get why because he's not just thinking of the commentary he's thinking of every single aspect he's of, also the thinking of the show the presentation right. how does this look so that said, I think he did a very good job, all things considered. Like I've said, I think by the early mid 90s is when he starts to become that cliche that yeah.
1: everyone quotes. Do when they we, Do we reward Vince for being that relentless on commentary, like never slowing down? Like, is that elevate him against a guy like Cottle, who was kind of always he always seemed like he was sitting in a rocking chair or something. Uh, I mean, <laughs> but I like that style. It's Vince, a
3: style. Vince can get irritating. That's true. Nineties Vince,
1: eighties Vince, I'll listen to all but day long. Also, I think is great. No offense to Coddle, but if you're, I don't know, if you're tired when you're watching the show, you could fall asleep. <laughs> like, I, I'm just saying, like if you're if you're <sighs> turning it on at like eleven o'clock at night, and you're just kind of putting it on to like kind of wind down, I like guess, Coddle it like,
3: actually put you to sleep. But that's fine. I think it's okay if Bob yeah. Coddle helps you go to sleep. Coddle can cuddle you and
1: coddle you so you go to sleep. I'm just saying, are we are we valuing excitement at all? Well, Vince was certainly excited. Yeah.
3: He could also be very sardonic and very sarcastic and funny if something was boring. he was great with Jesse Ventura. Vince did bigger moments. I mean, once again, his company. Yeah. But he did. I mean, he did the main event, which we can't reward him for that. It's his company. Of course he
1: did it. Here's the thing, though. We also can't come up with one good Vince call, even though he owns the place. Right. Yeah. He does own the best place. Like, yeah, but still, that doesn't give him I'm any merit saying, as an announcer. Does that mean his vision, and by virtue of his vision, what he's actually doing was uh, actually really good? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if it, Oh,
3: you're saying that his hard work as an announcer paid off. Right. Because you're pitching the product as an announcer,
1: right? Right, exactly. Oh. Oh! And also, say it, say you're not Vince, right? Say you're, um, I, I'm not saying... Well, he was on commentary, Eric Bischoff was, but like Eric Bischoff rip off, yeah. He's like Vince, right? But he's conveying a product that ultimately was inferior. (laughs) Like, does that make him worse? Like basically is are you as good when you are the product, are you as good as the product, essentially? Like (sighs) and because Vince was commentating when the product was good, you know, it makes him (sighs) a better announcer. But Quinn and when it was bad. Right, but I'm saying when it was good, Vince came off as a great announcer because everything was executed correctly. And uh, when it was bad, he came off as a very irritating announcer, right? right, 95. But more so, he came off as a good announcer because more likely than not, the company was good, as we know the history.
3: I get where you're going with this. I get what you mean. I don't disagree entirely with that. Him versus Bob Caudle is tough because Bob coddles is a naturally more gifted broadcaster. I think he's not as enjoyable well, he's a broadcaster or exciting. By, he's a broadcaster by trade. By trade. Yeah. yeah. Vince, uh, I think, always wanted to be one. I know that Vince always had an interest in it. I think Vince, if he just did that as a job, would have been a fantastic broadcaster. I do, too.
1: I think if he was detached from running it, yes. we would have we would have actually thought of him as a pretty decent announcer. Well, I mean, I he was detached from running it for the first 11 years he did it. That's true. I actually think it's interesting. He's a good announcer. It's almost like, um, what was that segment we used to do where, like, what if... Oh, the butterfly effect? The butterfly effect. What if just Vince worked there, but he didn't own the place? Kind of like. And he was just their lead announcer? Yeah. Like, how would that work?
3: Hey, if you've heard some of 70s solo Vince, he's fucking good. Yeah. I'd stack solo Vince up to solo Gordon and solo
1: Russell. You I'm know, not
3: saying he's better, but I'm
1: saying he deserves a mention in that company. You know who's actually the only example of that I can possibly think of? Who? Uh, Davy Crockett because he worked there after the, the company was sold. True, yeah. Like, you know what the I point. mean? Yeah, like, he was just an employee. He's the only like example we could get where like what if you were detached from the ownership. You right.
3: Know? Queen, I only ask you a question here. I'm going to just hop this one to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Is Vince better than King? <sighs> Why is that a hard question actually? I just like processed that in my head and thought for a second.
3: This might solve a lot of this. Is Vince better than King? Mm-hmm. I think Vince McMahon Is a better broadcaster than Jerry Lawler. But is
1: he? Yes. Because King went on to do great things with JR. Like, he's more versatile. A couple
3: of years with JR that they were really good, right? I agree. I know.
1: That's all I'm saying is like, I actually, it went the opposite with me. I was thinking that because of King's versatility, being able to work with people, different, different people, does that make him better? Vince worked with a lot of people. Vince is such a question mark. It's tough. This yeah. is a really tough I don't even placement know where
3: to start it. Like that's I, like, what I'm saying. Like, because is he really better than Claudel? Maybe is he better than Tanay? Not on a technical level. Is he, but
1: it, and then not knowing then you the moves. King and you're like, is he even better than King because King was more versatile? <laughs> is
3: that's, he better than Mauro Rinaldo? I don't think he's better than Maro Ronaldo. Well, then he's not better than King because King's above Mauro. Okay. So is he better than Mike Tanay? No, probably right, but he is. That's the thing. Like, I got, no, you
1: know what? I think he's better than old Cheese Breath. Okay, why is he better than Cheese Breath? Because Cheese can only do <laughs> one thing, and it was proven that way when he like spectacularly failed over at TNA. Well, like, it was awful. But Cheese yeah. is
3: a better uh, <laughs> in the wrestling end of it. He's a lot better on the wrestling, yes, the technical. But it's
1: holistic. the high flying and the technical. Yes, the high flying and the technical. I understand, but like we all said. It's holistic.
3: Yes, and not-
1: Vince Vince is in the entertainment vein, right? He's in the entertainment business, pal. I wish Eric Bischoff was nominated or at least ranked at this point. Because we'll, we'll that's, see if that, he comes in. I thought that would be a perfect entry point for Vince. Is like we compare him to Bischoff and just see who's better. And I don't think he would elevate above anybody. He's better else. than Bischoff. Yeah, I think he is too. But I'm just saying, like that would have. We probably would have known immediately.
3: I'll put Vince above Mike tonight. I will, too. That hops him above Caudill by default, but we had to find a way to figure out where Vince places. But I don't uh, think he's better than Morrow. You don't think he's better than Morrow? I think Morrow is like a... A true a broadcaster. true, very... But yeah. he's unproven. As a long-term, big-time announcer, he's unproven. unproven. but he al- is. He's
1: already proven that... He ain't called the WrestleMania,
3: Quinn. You could easily stick with I really think he'd be just, oh, he'd be fantastic. just, just
1: fine. Like, he- and that's
3: the thing, the confidence that we have. Him. But Vince... The thing about Vince is Vince would hop into any show that he was doing when Gorilla went down with a toe amputation or diabetes or whatever. He yeah. would cover challenge and primetime. There's
1: primetimes with Vince. He could I do, do anything because okay, it was his company. I do want to do one more comparison just to see yeah. if maybe there's a possibility he could be above Morrow. Joey Styles versus Vince. That hops him all the way above King, too. Yeah, but I think we need to just talk... that Because we're so... We're not sure where we Vince agree to enter. That, we agree that Lance Russell is better than Vince. Yes, yes, definitely. So he's not touching Russell. But the only reason I'm talking about Joey is because... They did Joey, the same thing. They, they, Joey's the only other guy that was, like, by himself. I coddle a little bit, but... Well, and Russell. But yeah. he's not better than Russell. But, but he's not better than Russell. But he, I think Vince... <sighs> I can comfortably say Vince is better than Coddle. Like, I really can.
3: Um... Again, better in the sense that he had to make chicken salad out of chicken shit a lot of the time. Yeah. Better in the sense that he multitasked and had to run the company and was responsible for its creative vision, how it came across on screen. Uh, all this criteria now is starting to add up. That's why he should go neck and neck with Joey Styles because
1: Styles did the same thing for ECW. With none of that responsibility. <laughs> right. But he had to do the Although same thing. I I would bet that Joey was responsible for a bunch of shit. Well, that's how ECW was. Yeah, I know.
3: Selling t-shirts and yeah. shit like that. Between '93 and 2001, the man that was the voice of ECW with Joey Styles. So anything that you saw on the screen and how it came across and how it was narrated to you, whether it was under the direction of Paul Heyman or not, it had to come
1: from Joey Styles to the viewer, and pretty much nobody else. Correct. Now Vince from 1971 (laughs) until '82, he got got Bruno or whatever Patterson or whatever. Yeah, he had Wizard sometimes. He had Bruno in the late '70s, but for the most part, he directed that product right and he
3: 71 right his daddy's vision yeah <laughs> and then when it was his own vision he still had to be responsible for how it was dictated to the fan right and that's why he was the lead announcer on all the primetime stuff yeah. i mean primetime television Are we starting
1: to come to like a more respect for vince and that's why he should be elevated above a lot of these guys even king and stuff i think he's better than king anyway the styles question though is tough because vince
3: still is a poor announcer by the 90s but he's still exciting Yes. He's still
1: trying. I can't somewhat. say that there's any WWF product, even in that downturn, that I never feel that Vince is excited about. Like, he, he never seems like right. apathetic. Or, the guy's yelling about, you know, Aldo Toya, Right.
3: The guy's screaming about Mantar.
1: He's trying.
3: When you got Sid and Diesel in the main event, Vince is trying. Sometimes,
1: WrestleMania 11's taking place in someone's backyard, and he's still trying. I even noticed at times Vince would insert controversy that wasn't there he would write on the fly sometimes like he possibly oh he didn't you know he didn't help him up right away or something right he would say shit like that well he would get ahead of the story and be able to insert stuff right yeah
3: i think that vince is again as a match caller which is part of this too
1: he can be good he's had moments where he's really good you've kind of poo pooed his match calling you think it's better than i'm giving it credit for i think it's a little better than both of us were even giving credit for why does it get so much criticism then? just because of that bad period That bad, like, one, two, close, what
3: a maneuver. But in the same vein, like you said once, right? Everyone had fucking catchphrases. Yeah. That's kind of his, right? I mean, Gorilla had 7,000 of them. JR
1: had them. Think of it this way. That is kind of his way to interpreting to the layman, which Vince, as the owner, is more aware than any announcer of the layman. Yes, by necessity. By necessity, because he needs to sell to both. To all the layman. (laughs) That that's one maneuver. Is his way of just conveying like that's a good move i don't need to tell you the name of it i mean it's just good and you know what all you need to know is that because ultimately you don't really need to know the name of the move you just need to manch is doing right but but vince as a guy trying to sell you that this is big bombast these wrestlers are very skilled and you don't know dog shit about wrestling (laughs) like you need to all you need to know is that that thing, that that drop kick that guy did. I don't know that it's a drop kick, but that is an impressive maneuver. Yeah, but is, like,
3: I don't know if we want to reward dumbing down the education
1: of your fans. I, I mean, I, Gordon did the polar I'm just opposite. Saying, I think there, there's also there's times when it's necessary, especially for the newer fan. Possibly, I and mean, think about it even this way. Actually, Vince was really smart. If I didn't, I didn't. This didn't even occur to me till just now. What? Why do you think he put it Gorilla and Jesse or Gorilla and Brain on the pay per views? So he didn't have to. But also the audience is smaller and it's the dedicated people that are willing to put down money to watch this fucking thing. Maybe. So they want all the moves called. I get
3: I mean, Gorilla didn't call all the moves either, really. But, but more than Vince. I'll more point than Vince. That. But Vince, I, I think Vince is underrated as a play-by-play man. You're right. He's better than we give him credit for. Just that bad period in the mid-90s where he's really bad. Mm. However, in like the 80s and shit like that, he's good. He, he's good to listen to. Yeah. He calls a good match, whether serious or funny or anything. Oh, my goodness. Like little turns of phrase, misusages of words, like notwithstanding
1: and stuff like that. He kept it flowing. He kept a match flowing. Okay, so his look, voice could get annoying. We're getting a little away from it. Is he better than Joey yes. or Yes, I think he's slightly better. Um, I do too. He called a bigger game. He played. He played in the major leagues, and Joey was. I mean, honestly, ultimately yeah. in the minor leagues, which again we always apply to this in the holistic approach. It's like, very we, whole. We, but I'm just saying, we do that. Um, we do in we all do. seriousness. Yes. Like it, it does matter where you called it.
3: I think that Vince probably doesn't get enough love overall as a play-by-play man. Again, from a technical standpoint, I know, but overall, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's not bad. I mean, he really is pretty good, and I think that he's in that pretty good, not bad. I mean, area, top five but here. he's not in the elite, right? Which just starts with Lance Russell. It starts with Lance Russell, correct. Vince McMahon for number five knocks styles down. Yeah. Okay. And that- does that
1: make him the best of the, the like not in the elite people? For now. Is he right below Russell? Mm hmm. Okay. To me that's totally fair.
3: And that also knocks for the record, Paul Heyman off of the top ten, which is
1: oh well. I mean, he commentated for like four minutes, but (laughs) yeah,
3: damn good at it though. So, all right, let's go ahead to our updated Royal Rankings Week number eight here. Quinn, history has been made yet again. That's right. At number one, Bobby the Brain Heenan, the greatest announcer of all time. Number two, Jesse Ventura. Number three, Tony Schiavone. Four, Lance Russell, still doing good. Five. Vin Man, not bad. The Vidman, baby. Six, Joey Styles. Seven, Jerry Lawyer. Eight, Mauro Ranallo. Nine, Cheese Voice. Um,
1: how is Cheese Voice <laughs> still in the top ten?
3: And Bob Clunnell hanging on at number ten, folks. That is a Royal Rankings as of week number eight. Be sure to let us know yours. Who do you agree with? Who do you disagree with? Let us know where you stand on Twitter. You can email us or join the group. But, Quinn, when we come back, we're going to WCW. We're going to Saturday night. It's going to be a really fun time. There's machines. There's, you know, things are going Technology on. They're building things. wrestlers. Yeah. We'll find out what's going on right after this.
0: All right. Not yet. Not yet is he no now he didn't Seamus, hit the floor he was hanging on he's hanging on somebody ought to kick him off the apron but there's nobody over there mark henry now double teamed with legacy and oh, 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 oh. and here we goes! yeah tremendous maneuver by mark henry oh look out sheamus wow. from behind and dumps the big man who would have believed that sheamus could do it by himself and now it comes down to three Who's the favorite here, McMahon? Come on, you're the Obviously, expert. It's Orton. I, you threw Orton in there. You knew Orton was going to beat his opponent earlier on Back to the corner. That's the safest place you can be. A, oh no! Whoa! He's still hanging on, though. Can he get back? Colby Kingston hanging on. Kingston trying to get back. And oh, oh. no, Orton! Putting on down and he's out of the battle royal. Just like I said, Randy Orton would be eliminated. You never said that. I was thinking it. Shut up. You said he was going to win I was it. thinking it. Comes down to two now. Randy Orton is O-U-T. And Sheamus with kobe And Sheamus, Sheamus wins it. Wins it. Sheamus, Sheamus wins the Battle Royal.
3: And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being with us here on episode number 118. Now, Quinn, before we review this wonderful WCW Saturday night, did you know... That there are other wrestling podcasts out there Not just ours Wow I know, it's amazing Do,
1: do they have 118 episodes? Uh, some of them
3: have more Some have less None of them, though, that we're going to mention Have Conrad Thompson So that there's that yeah, Well, that's a good thing Yeah, that's no one's good, chatting anyone up That's a quality <laughs> So we're going to give you a few quality podcasts That you can check out They are friends of the show Give them a listen Give them a shout Give them some support First of all, we have the wrestling podcast about nothing, WPAN, and it actually just recently entered a new phase, Quinn. Now, did you know this? First of all, it's hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the wrestling
1: business. Now, every time you say that, I think two guys, a girl, and a pizza place, but... There might be pizza if you take a look at the size of these guys. One of them oh.
3: is an independent wrestling referee that is currently on an extended hiatus. And mean retired? I think we come to the conclusion that he's just retired. His name is Mean Mike Crockett. He is the meanest of the mics, biggest of the daddies. And the most retired of the referees, but his partner, and this is the phase two part, his partner just signed full-time Ring of Honor superstar. Now, I heard about that in the sheets. That's right. In In the the sheets. sheets. That's right. The Wine City Whaler. Brian Malonis. Yeah. Uh, These guys, though, Mike and Brian, they do put out a really cool show. It's very unique because they bring their perspective as guys that have worked in the business, but also as fans, you know, growing up watching wrestling, they kind of combine all of that together with some cool inside analysis, maybe an interview here and there with people from within the New England Nat War scene. It's on Mondays. You can check it out right after you listen to this. But in a few days, it'll be Thursday. And you know what that means, Quinn? What? It is the critically acclaimed... Greetings from Allentown, the critics' favorite.
1: A1 Magazine gives it 10 barbecue sauces out
3: of 100. on Thursdays greeting is greetings from GF Aladdin. it's hosted by one very lonely quirky man his name is Peter Winston Quinn yes little baby Petey little baby Petey who would have thought a
1: baby would be critically acclaimed <laughs> ooh, it, ooh, it, gaga. it's amazing really. it really
3: is and what he does is he'll take an episode of old wrestling whether it's WF maybe it's WCW maybe it's ECW something down in the territory system he'll take that and as he ostensibly reviews it he'll actually interweave a lot of stories aside anecdotes and personal recollections some baseball some wrong kiddle Cats bourbon beer it's like George Thorogood, really. Cats not the musical, and cats, yeah, cats, and cats not in the cradle. Yeah. But check out greetings from Allentown, G F Allentown, and also check out if you like your wrestling with a side of gravy. Check out Bookin' the territory. That's right, booking the territory with Mike Mills and his crew. Not to be mistaken with booking the grits. Yeah, <laughs> cooking the grits. Yeah. What these guys do is they head south of that Mason Dixon line. You know where the wrestling is wrestling,
1: whatever you call it down there. Does anybody head north in the show well go Park? to canada if okay. we keep
3: going if okay. we keep going north and what these guys do is they talk about the nwa the jim crockett promotions era right now and smoky Mountain. it's fun it's the unprofessional wrestling podcast it is booking the territory it's smoky it's very smoky so check out the three friends of the show wrestling podcast about nothing greetings from allentown and booking the territory but quinn we have a show to review here. We are reviewing something. Yes, we are. This was your fault. I mean, your pick. What? <laughs>
1: This, was, it was, this okay. was a bygone era show. Yeah, bygone. I mean, I what? remember sitting uh, on my dad's bed and like, watching in his bedroom.
3: Yeah, right. Okay. Because we were to, banned
1: from watching it in the normal part of the in house, the living probably. Room, I guess my dad didn't want to deal He's not with watching WCW Saturday Night. It's like, oh, I got a TV in my room. <laughs> go watch it there. Now,
3: WCW Saturday Night, folks, as you know, that we've mentioned before, this was the A show uh, until later on in 1995, until September. Yes. At this point that we're reviewing, which is May 20th, 1995, WCW Saturday Night, unfortunately,
1: was as good as it got for WCW programming. Yeah, I I can't say that's a bad thing. I guess not. Listen, I I know guys we're going to go through this show and it's going to suck ass and yeah, be will. terrible. Yes. However, I just have a fondness for this this era for some reason like it's like I know all the cast of characters. Right. It's, it's yes. just a
3: good time, you know? And I have somewhat of the same affinity for it. Perhaps it's because as young, impressionable wrestling fans, which we were during yeah. the spring of 1995, perhaps it's just something that's going to last with us forever. You know, we latched onto it young as kids.
1: Yep, and I, I think mainly the big sell probably overall for us as kids was it was two hours of wrestling on Saturday. It
3: was, 6:05 on TBS. But not this episode. However, this episode is a one-hour episode uh, because the Atlanta Braves were also owned by Ted Turner on right. Turner Broadcasting here. So fuck WCW. So basically, fuck WCW. We gotta go check out You know, Tom Glavin and all that stuff, Craig Maddox, Steve Avery. So, Quinn, this is WCW Saturday Night, May 20th, ninety five, a one-hour edition. And I'd like to remind everyone to start here that WCW Saturday Night is brought to you by Slim Jim. Saturday Night is brought to you in part by Slim Jim. When you need a little excitement, snap into a beefy, spicy Slim Jim. Uh, we have the usual part for the course here in the mid 90s technology opening. You know, yes. build a wrestler. There's cranes, security cameras, you know, the normal wrestling stuff. You
1: know, this is really funny because WCW, right? Like, yeah. we, we just did that worldwide again, more like Mission Impossible. <laughs> From 2001, technology. yeah. The fucking intro is just like Engage, cybernetic generation sequence, warning system overload. Yup, that's exactly what you need for a wrestling show. That's a wrestling show, show, that did, show right? That perfectly <laughs> describes wrestling to me as a kid. Cranes and
3: security cameras. They're building
1: something that I... I- <laughs> Maybe a wrestler's arm because they show some kind of like yeah. diagram about it. What is all this? Who
3: is the wrestler that they built? Maybe that's the real power plant. If you know what I'm maybe saying, maybe it was there. the renegade. I it <laughs> seemed like somebody built him. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. It's a little robotic. Anyway, Quinn, did you know Slambery is tomorrow night? Yeah, and apparently WCW is ready to explode oh, yeah, because of it. That's such a big it, deal. It,
1: it is. You know the potential latent energy in Slambury <laughs> It's just going to. It's like dynamite. Yeah, you know? it's,
3: the company could blow up because of night. So big now, you
1: know, all those Angelo Poffo matches. Oh, it's god,
3: yeah. Huge. So, Angelo is gonna be there with the yeah. monster maniacs. Great, <laughs> more on them. I later. bet he's
1: still complaining about not being invited to the Legends Battle Royal in '87 <laughs> or something. Like, that's probably why he's here. You didn't get me in, Randy. Like, this you have to make up for it at Slambury '95. <laughs>
3: yeah, he did have some big problem with not being involved in that. Well, Randy did, right?
1: Well, first of all. Why didn't they let him be in it anyway? Because it's not like most of the people in that could walk and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah.
3: it wouldn't have been like, was in it, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, like, I don't see the problem with putting Angelo in there... But also, why are you like mad that you're not in it? Like, (laughs) isn't that kind of a compliment?
3: Randy, yeah, right? Maybe they don't think he's old enough. Yeah. Randy was very defensive about his dad. I'm not saying a a man shouldn't be, I have no problem with that. But he was like super defensive about it. Like, oh, they didn't put my dad in the old people battle royal. Let's get to some good news, Quinn. We're welcomed by Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan Glasses Edition. So good.
2: Hi, everybody. Along with Bobby the Brain Heenan, I'm Tony Schiavone. One hour of Saturday night
3: our number one announcer right yeah. on the royal ranking still as of this week is on fire throughout the show this is a he's great un- unbelievable great example of his wcw work with tony Schiavone. yeah but bobby does hype up flair and
1: Arn, you and know he, the big team there Yeah, and he almost forgets renegade's name <laughs> yeah well i mean maniac yeah, he's something like, like that the uh, the, the uh, yeah him <laughs> yeah <laughs> him
2: what will hogan do what will savage do what will the um renegade do they'll do absolutely nothing
3: Let's go to ring announcer Gary Capetta, who introduces us, Quinn, to Johnny B. Bad.
1: His music, the memories,
3: <laughs> Johnny B. Bad, it's so good. I'm sing along with it in my living room. I'll tell you what. When I started watching WCW, which is right around this time, I remember Johnny B. Bad being all over WCW. Pro Every Saturday night, single worldwide. show, yeah. Like he
1: would always be on and it. I liked him. like never-ending feud with Diamond Dallas yep, Page. It was, like great. it was The best
3: feud. Johnny B. Bag gets a nice reaction as we see a lady in a green foam Macho Man hat, which is great. I saw that. <laughs> Mark Morrow's <laughs> opponent here is Hollywood Bobby Starr, oh. who uh, who has oh. an incredible, like Bobby Eaton esque mullet, but it's dyed auburn colored. He looks like junk.
1: Jimmy's so like, junky looking. And, and, I love you know Bobby Starr. W. W. Jobbers the best. I know they're awesome. Like they're they're either extra junky or have like a way over the top gimmick, like something that's like way too
3: much, like they're gambling or golfing or something. Exactly. So Johnny B. Bag Throws out his frisbees and Bobby's all frisbees. That's a set of china dishes and buck snort.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bobby the brain <laughs> so is good. great. Yeah.
3: Tony calls Merrow one of the most talented men in our sport. Of As, course, our sport. Our sport. As bad takes down star with a drop to hold into a hammerlock. Bobby and Tony again. They're just awesome here. We have a nice exchange where Bobby, out of nowhere, is like, "Why do you hate Hulk Hogan?" And Tony's like, "I don't hate Hulk Hogan. Will you get off of that?" And Bobby's like, "I can tell you why I hate him. Why do you no, hate Hogan? Hulk Hulk Hulk. I don't hate Hulk Hogan. Would you get off of that?" I got to tell you why I hate him. Leapfrog by Bad into a crucifix drop, Irish whip, boot, and a knee lift
1: by Mark Merrow. Brain and Shivani barely care About that the this match. happened. Yeah, yeah That's match they're, is junky. They're just like, yeah, yeah, Johnny B. Bad's good. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, that's basically what happens. <laughs> is.
3: Corner clothesline by Merrow, and he nails a beautiful top rope, uh, her Karana, for the win.
1: It gets an actual ooh from the shitty Disney crowd. Like, I was surprised at like them actually caring. Yeah, because it the move looked good. It did look good. Good
3: mention on the Disney crowd. This is that or like the roller coaster audience. You know, kid glasses
1: with a foam hand. (laughs) Like usually, like in in like an MGM Disney shirt. Like that's like usually the kind of people you find at this. Dads in NASCAR shirts (laughs) with like white socks. Like going up to their like you know like calf calf yeah like half. a quarter of the cap yeah there's a very specific type of dad child mother combination yeah that are at these events yes
3: it is you can also find them at the buffet line afterwards yeah. uh, as for the match well it was bad Next up is the merciless Ming, The graphic says, and we come back as Tony hypes up Slamboree while Colonel Parker brings Mang down the aisle with the
1: strange sure. music I've never heard. I'm, I was waiting for the doo,
3: yeah, doo, right, doo, right,
1: doo, doo, and like it's not. It's just like some generic garbage. Yeah, I don't
3: remember that one at all.
1: Back on WCW Saturday Night, the world knows that Slamboree is tomorrow night
2: a legendary reunion. The only way you can join us is
3: on pay per view. A Haku here Meng has his karate gi and shows off his martial arts as he comes down the aisle his opponent already in the <laughs> ring uh, his name is Eddie Jackie so Yes Eddie Jackie as he takes off his brown jacket Bobby gets the thought in his head hey that's Eddie's jacket What oh, that's Eddie's jacket Take me. Jackie Oh, a jacket. The referee is a heavily mustachioed Nick Patrick. As Bobby predicts, Eddie Jackie will last uh, about a
1: minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I funny. like the, the, how matter of fact, <laughs> like, hey, you know, this will last like, about a minute. It was the perfect amount of not giving a shit. <laughs> like, it was
3: so good. <laughs> it is. And he's just putting over Meng by doing that. Yeah. He's not being, like, mean. You know, right. he's literally putting like, he over. manage
1: Meng- him once. <laughs> he did. I mean, I mean, that's one of his, his charges yeah, it's there. That's a charge. King Haku, no like, less. He was a king back then. He was a bit. king. He's been demoted to just Ming. <laughs> yeah, he's Maybe just a Maybe means king and
3: wherever he's from. Tongan.
1: Is, is Ming from Tonga? Yeah.
3: Okay. Isn't his real name like Tonga Fafita? King, king Ming. King Meng, yeah. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Meng does some light karate work to start. Bobby keeps saying, "Now Quinn Eddie's jacket the whole time," which he, is really funny. He also says that Colonel Parker
1: should offer cash for not Eddie's yet. jacket. <laughs> like he just keeps that's going. a joke the whole match. Like there but is it's funny. no other thing. Bobby discusses other than Eddie's jacket it's amazing he does a good job
3: too of making this match watchable you know yeah. big chops by Meng and Bobby's like it's Meng don't get it confused with Sting because they're going to be fighting yeah. uh, gut wrench overhead backbreaker by Meng cool move there uh, karate pose big thrust kick by Haku
1: Bobby just yells I got it and then he just like oh it's an ear <laughs> like, no he's <laughs> referencing the kick that they knocked Eddie, Eddie's off. Jacket's ear off yeah. <laughs> jacket. so he's like pretending like the kick like was yeah. that powerful so
3: <laughs> Bobby's like so much for Eddie's jacket another kick and Mang pins Eddie with one foot the crowd's kind of like uh Boo, yeah, I guess. I don't think they care. <laughs> no, they like, don't.
1: Care. Nobody cares. This is just for goofs. Uh, yeah, like, this whole show. It's just to give Haku like a minute of time. And, you and know, Tony and Bobby to basically like hang out. I, it's yeah. not even like working as much as it's just them talking
3: it's like if they're watching wrestling and kind of just conversing over it, which you know we might
1: do from time to time right exactly when we watch it just reminds me of, you know sitting on the couch yeah exactly we're on your dad's bed as yeah. it were well my dad's bed of course <laughs> and then like pretending like doing like main kick on the bed like against a pillow would you do that yeah i would totally like all the moves like i would just imitate them the whole time
3: do you do that now when you watch things no, oh, I, on, well, I'm,
1: I'm not as nimble as I once was, and plus, I don't have a <laughs> bed in the living room to jump on and like do moves on. I need a bed. You have one in your bedroom. The TV's smaller in there. I. Yeah, you're right. You've grown up now. You
3: don't yeah. need to watch it in the bedroom, Quinn. I don't. You're I... your own man. Tony leaves, quote unquote, the commentary
1: table, <laughs> quote unquote, to go talk to Colonel Parker and Meng after the match. Bobby says that Meng is gonna kick Flying Brian's gums out tomorrow <laughs> night at the pay-per-view. And then he like cackles. Yeah. He's like in such a mood. <laughs> he He's is. just like, ha ha, ha ha. And watch Meng kick his gums out. <laughs>
3: Colonel Parker cuts, uh, I guess, a mediocre promo, but his great uncle was Colonel Tom Parker, what? you know, the guy that managed Elvis. Uh, Parker, by the way, found Meng in Tonga, he says. He went by himself to find him. Yeah, I guess this promo turns out fine as it keeps going. Meng does some karate yelling, which is funny.
2: Karate. <laughs> karate yells. We're we're into uh, many, many sports.
3: Uh, and then Parker calls Pillman a yella good-for-nothing dude.
0: Yella good-for-nothing dude.
3: He also calls him a
1: smart Alec.
3: Yeah, see, not wise Alec.
1: Well, what do you mean? (laughs) I I think he got it wrong.
3: (laughs) Hey, Quinn, the Wrestling Training Center will be holding tryouts on Good Morning America?
1: Now, I watched... Back, especially in 1995, the good version, the good version, you know, Joan London, Charles Gibson, and then who was the lady that replaced her? The blonde, Lisa McCree. Good morning, America. I'm Lisa McCree, and I'm Charles Gibson. No, no, no. She was a serious reporter. Lisa McCree and ABC News brief now from New York. Here's Lisa McCree. Good evening. No, not Lisa McCree. After that, the the lady Diane Sawyer. Diane Sawyer, yes. I don't remember, I watched all that era, I don't remember an episode where WCW was on it, and I would, you know, I would. Like, I remember the episode when they revealed it, Remember it was oh god! And it ended up being those segues, segways. Oh, but that was cl- embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Diane
3: Sawyer on it, and she was like trying to act like it was good.
4: But no, it's so it does seem so stable. It's it's at least as stable as you are.
1: I remember the episode when the bare naked ladies made that like their debut what? of their song like. Wait, a minute, what? So like, wait. Uh, like I remember that. <laughs> so what you're trying to tell me is that you remember all these insipid moments. Like these very like specific key moments in my life. <laughs> I remember their fireplace you know all that shit. Yet you don't
3: remember WCW wrestlers ever being on Good Morning America. Do you think they
1: actually made it no. on the air or do you think they were just like in the outside by like, the like fun pen you know where they would be like outside like near the end of the show and yes. like have happy talk with each other. Yeah happy talk Yeah. Uh,
3: so if you want to be involved call 404-351-4959 Clearly, clearly
1: no one called because we didn't. Have, I never saw them on Good Morning America. No,
3: nope, me neither We now go to Mean Gene from the WCW Control Center, you know, the green screen one,
1: Quinn, the horrible one. I think he's got a pretty small table, too. It's it's a lot like the Todd table or the Doc table. It sure is. Gene, look at the back of the control center here on Saturday night.
3: Gene is here to hype up tomorrow's big card, as we've talked about. Slambory, available on pay per view and home satellite yes
1: Ooh. it's the future
3: now here's a hot main event for you quinn it's hogan and savage mm-hmm. with the renegade in their corner <sighs> and jimmy hart Ugh. that sounds like garbage already right and they're facing rick flair and vader with arn anderson in their corner now we get a promo from flair vader and arn even though gene's like uh oh, vader's not there he's what? clearly right there yeah. in the promo standing by
2: sans vader let's hear right now from arn anderson and the nature boy
3: Vader says literally nothing important. Oh, no, not at all. If you never heard this promo, your life would be exactly the same.
1: It looks like they literally like just, you know, filed it in they were just like, we need something for the control center. Yeah, Literally. That's like what they were told and they were like, oh, you mean nobody's gonna give a shit? It's like, (laughs) that's what we're gonna give. It is WCW.
3: Uh, Arn cuts a usual great short to the point promo, making fun of the vitamins and the training and Hogan and all that. And Flair with his stupid mushroom cut. (laughs) He looks like a little boy. Oh, he does like a horrible Randy Savage impression before just going into like a b-tier flare promo it's not really good ooh, 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 ooh. Ooh, yeah Anyway, we're also going to have a Lights Out match, which is like an Everything Goes You say No
1: Holds Barred. Why is, it, why is it called that?
3: It's Sting versus Bubba Rogers, and it'd be funnier, really, if the, it was the first person was to reach the light switch. That's how you won. You would turn the that lights off. That would be off. awesome. <laughs> that like, would be better. If
1: you can control the lights in the arena, but maybe it's like a fire hazard or something. Oh, true. Well, The Undertaker would probably win, right? Because he can control he the lights. He does it all the time. Yeah, months I, and well, he's, promotion. Not, he's not around here, so no. <laughs> they, they can have Lights Out matches.
3: True. <laughs> also, Aaron Anderson takes on Das Wunderkamp. Mm. in a
1: 30-minute time limit match. I Which don't, means it'll be 10 minutes. Yeah, I don't remember... I've now, seen, I want to see this pay per view because it, these matches sound so weird. They're bad. They, doesn't this sound like a weird pay per view, though, on paper? Absolutely. Like, was it even good? Like, no. I don't remember watching it. Nothing
3: they did in 95 was good. What do you mean, was it good? What are you good? talking about? Johnny, V. bad versus DDP? None of their pay per views were really good, though. In but they had matches at pay per view. They did so matches. By,
1: by virtue of them fighting on pay per view, I was like, <laughs> even though it was like the first match, <laughs> yeah, but like, usually. I was still like, well, we
3: got more of that feud. It's true. It was a good feud. The Nasty Boys, they're the faces, by the way. They're going to be challenging Harlem Heat for the WCW Tag Titles. That uh, should
1: be actually okay.
3: Yep. Gene calls Sherry the Julia Child of wrestling. I really get that. Uh, she's Is cooking she, up yeah. something.
1: Does she wear an apron? Like, <laughs> Is she I, drunk? Yeah. Is
3: she French? Yeah. Julia Child's it. like the Andre the Giant. Yeah. They're the same, actually. I'll tell you one thing. There's I'll Glenn, tell
1: you one thing. There's a good chicken. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's like what
3: I would expect
1: really a child to say.
3: And the the, the Japanese champion Sheen's
1: words. Is that lied. the IWGP? I don't what, know. What, or all Japan? What was what he talking about?
3: Here? No Japan. <laughs> the Great Muda. Well, it's some Japan. It's, <laughs> it's Japanese champion. Not Japan. He's going to be facing Paul Orndorff. What so is, what is That this sounds 1787? horrible.
1: 1987. Like what the fuck?
3: Don't forget the hot Kevin Sullivan versus Butcher match. Yeah, this hot match.
1: What? What? So they were like friends, and then Butcher got all handy at, at uh, Sarcade or something. That's,
3: that's something it's, like
1: that. Yeah, yeah, in 95 they got out of falling out. Now, is Butcher friends with Hulk now? He's like, no, friends they, with no one. They, they, so he's just nobody. If
3: Sullivan's a heel and Butcher becomes the man with no name. Butcher Boulder. <laughs> Butcher Bitcher. Butcher. Yeah. Dick Murdoch will be facing Wahoo <laughs> McDaniel. <laughs>
1: No, no, it's 1995, <laughs> not 1985. And that's, I will say that is because it's Slambury, right? It is, but still. So just a hot second here. Just yeah. recall, remember Slambury is like the legends pay-per-view? Yeah, it started in 93. Which th- I always never understood why WWF didn't do that. They got tons of legends. They do it now in Saudi Arabia all the time. They don't call it Slamboree. <laughs> they do Wrestlemania. they call it Slamboree? Fucking New Age Outlaws coming out I just a couple like, years ago. Uh, Undertaker! I like this idea. The, I, the part of it I don't like is Dick Murdoch and Bahu hey, McDaniel. Listen, Dick Murdoch had a fantastic 95. Don't he stop. was in the
3: 95 Rumble and, and he then he went Slam- to
1: WCW. Come on, that's a year for that man. Tricky Dicky. Uh, he must have been the hottest free agent <laughs> to be gallivanting across the uh, the company. At the, at the ripe age of 48 years old. Too. Do you think he's one of the rare people that performed in both promotions in 1995 L- Luger and IRS and wow. Dick Murdoch and, Dick
3: Murdock, and yeah. Barbarian I think yeah. maybe uh, anyway the WCW Hall of Fame yeah people cared about that <laughs> the inductees are Wahoo McDaniel
1: see now that doesn't make any sense you can't wrestle the same night you're in the Hall of Fame
3: I bet you Undertaker will yeah maybe <laughs> dusty dusty is going in don't worry so that makes sense yep. antonio inoki because japan i guess angelo uh, japanese
1: <laughs> champions gonna be here. Yeah. show
3: <laughs> angelo poffo and terry funk yeah one of these things not like the other angelo poffo <laughs> nobody it's Who? cause it's savage
1: have you ever seen angelo poffo match please tell me no you, like i haven't either
3: the man did nothing except a lot of sit-ups once in the ripley's believe it or not i think his claim Wait, to fame is he Dean did like Kane. No,
1: not Dean Cain version. Uh, don't bring up
3: Dean Cain ever on the show again. <laughs> but anyway, Angela Poffo, yeah, did a lot of sit-ups and was Randy Savage's dad. That's about all I know that he's famous for. Yeah. Maybe he had some great fucking matches, all right? Someone's going to say, fine, <laughs> I'm sure he did, okay? Yeah. But I've don't never just, seen no. one.
1: Just don't even defend him, Joe. Just don't I'm even, not defending him. Don't even like, give him a, a modicum of defense. He's no modicum? No modicum? Yeah. Mordecai? I prefer that guy that Petey likes who, Mosca, like that that Oh, King Kong Kong. Mosca? He's He's awesome. He's my favorite Angelo. Fantastic.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Favorite Angelo. Anyway, this really, this whole thing, this whole event (laughs) center, really feels like 93 WWF, and I don't mean that in a good way. And also, I must note the music
1: in the background sucks. It's horrible. Yeah.
2: Nobody does it like World Championship Wrestling this Sunday evening. That's tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, 4 out of the West Coast.
3: Gene says there has been major dismissals at WCW, <laughs> so call the hotline to find out who.
1: Call the Dick dickwad? like what was this? Ugh, like, I hate it's that. Like, outline. find out who's fired. Yeah, we, we'll tell you all.
3: I don't know what they. I really don't remember what, what are they, they're
1: referencing. The w 2s <laughs> Like, we're gonna find out. Like the the best boy yeah, was they're fired. Doing,
3: they're doing payroll back yeah. there. Promotional consideration is paid for by the following: Justice League, Tax Force, for Super NES and Genesis. Randy Savage rips a locker door off to get to his Slim Jims and hot pockets and pepperoni pizza or ham and cheese. Try lean pockets too. Ding. We hear some sirens as Kevin and Sullivan wanders out hussing like the berserker kind of is like Us
1: I think all he es. honestly thinks is that this is Saturday night, I can do whatever the
3: fuck <laughs> I want. Nobody cares. I mean isn't that isn't it basically, this is WCW, I can do
1: whatever the fuck I want, eee. under Bischoff anyway? Well, he can especially do whatever he wants, because he's the booker. He right? is the booker Whenever man. He here has, right? He's a big pencil or something. Yeah, he has like, a big according pencil. To, according to Brian Pillman.
3: <laughs> His opponent is the snappy youngster, Barry Houston, who has what looked to be homemade 1992 Shawn Michaels tights, like their hearts on them, glued on Horrible. or something. Uh, Houston kicks some ass to start, believe it or not, with a drop kick, but gets Punched on his sunset flip attempt. That's pretty much the end of it <laughs> Yeah, that's that. the end to him. <laughs> yeah. Sullivan tosses Houston through the middle rope to the outside. Shavane and... Shavane.
1: <laughs> Remember him, Shavane? <laughs>
3: Shavane and Brandon are really doing a good job of making the show fly by, by the I way. I know, seriously. They really are. Yeah.
2: You're talking to a different guy. This man is a psychopath. Doesn't like to be called that, but believe me, he is dangerous. Oh, well, my goodness. He landed on his little heart.
3: Yeah, he really did. Back inside, Slugfest is won by Sullivan followed by a short clothesline. Bobby and Tony discuss the rumors, Quinn, that DDP has swindled Kimberly out of her bingo money.
1: Ah, sowing the seeds. Here it is. The best angle. The DDP is poor angle. Love and
3: it. And more seeds will be sown. Oh, there's going to be seeds sown and thrown all over yep. the place. It's going to be a good time. Tree of Woe by Sullivan. Whoa, man. Yucky double stomp bullshit. Now that was his
1: finisher, right? I remember the double that. stomp and the tree of
3: woe, both of, like the combination. Yeah, the worst finishers you could imagine imagine
1: they're honestly s- they suck i've always wondered in all seriousness about his finishers that they're supposed to annoy you because like kevin solomon's actually kind of a smart heel mm. like he, they're like shitty on purpose like cuz they always seem like huh. so weird like to after a while and watching it i always wondered is like is this on purpose just to like egg people on
3: you know what? Like, you might be on something because it's like you're looking at him, and you're like, I can't believe he won with that
1: bullshit. Right. Exactly. Like, huh. I really always thought that because I've heard Sullivan talk like in shoot interviews and he's like very smart. He's a smart guy. And I was business, like, yeah. that's totally like he wow. just thought up like the most annoying okay. shit to piss people you off. You know what? I'll go with that. That's yeah. a good
3: theory, Quinn. Uh, Bobby says. <laughs> About the double stop. He's like, oh, that gets you
1: right in the boiled dinner. (laughs) And then right before we throw to an interview, Brian asked Shivani, are those your socks? Yeah, like like, as it's like fading (laughs) away. Are those your socks? Yeah.
3: Right now, let's go to this interview with Diamond Dallas Page. (laughs) Who's your socks? Bobby's on fire today. Seriously.
1: And Uh, and so we throw to this interview. Oh, God. uh,
3: Yes. This is the best part of the show. More. It really is. More of
1: this. Please. (laughs) and, And if you're guessing what it is.
3: Oh, here it is. It,
1: it, here it is.
3: It opens with Eric Bischoff on a golf course, in a golf shirt. Well, he's got
1: he's a, in the proper casual tire, attire.
3: Yeah. He's got a big interview here as the diamond doll wanders by. So cute. <laughs> she finally, yes, she is. She finally reveals her real name. First yeah. time
1: ever. Kimberly. Now, I didn't know this was the first time she said her name. Like, I didn't either. I thought that that thought happened when Booty Man showed up. <laughs> like, I I swear, I, <laughs> I didn't remember that. That was her name. You know what killed this fucking angle is yeah. Booty Man yeah. showed up and
3: Marrow with WWF and got called the wrong name. Yeah, it Mar- sucks. Mark Morrow.
1: I'd like
0: you to meet the wild man, Mark Morrow, ladies and gentlemen. That's not my name.
3: This segment's amazing. DDP out of nowhere from stage left or golf course left. <laughs> golf course left. Yeah. Rams into Bischoff <laughs> with his golf cart. Gets Kimberly into there and drives off as Max Muscle is like hilariously running well, he's, behind he's them. He's in
1: shape, man. <laughs> now doesn't he also say something to the effect of like, like I, I thought I told you never talk to strangers, <laughs> yes, like, to Kimberly? Yeah. Yes.
3: And I'm saying to myself at this point, I'm like, oh, that's a fantastic segment. It's like 92 Coliseum video, but yeah. then it's not over. Now yes, it's, there's more. <laughs> we clipped a DDP golfing while Kimberly's being the caddy and Max is watching.
1: She's like having trouble, like holding up the, all the like and that. that escalates, but like, yes, it's it's, it's fantastic.
3: So DDP swings, and his ball, well, it hits Max in uh, the balls. Uh, Max then takes a (laughs) (laughs) swing, Max then takes a swing, and DDP's like, lighten up, Francis! (laughs) What are they talking about?
1: They're they're so... Just having fun, it's so like good. it's so amazing. And I should also mention that DDP is like hilariously oh, yeah. dressed
3: here. He's like, got
1: like the Bobby the Brain like uniform, yeah, the golf, golf, golf uniform right. on, basically. Green Clean hat, out the puffy
3: hat, yeah, pink shirt, and the stupid pants and socks. And then we get a <laughs> musical golf montage. It's so good. I love it. And Kimberly, of course, watching intently the whole time, making weird breathing. Well, sounds. she's like, she's like, because she's caddying.
1: Yeah, so they keep, the breathing keeps escalating because like she's getting tired from like carrying both their golf clubs.
3: For all 18 holes, yeah. obviously. Yeah. DDP's like chortling to himself after every swing. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> He's so evil. It's so good. And He's Kimberly's incredible. like...
1: <gasps>
3: Diamond Dallas Page in 1995 is so fucking He's, good. Listen. Seriously.
1: If DDP is like kind of the precursor in my eyes to what Chris Jericho became in 98 like he he was that role he was comedy 95 96 he
3: was a comedy villain like he was an asshole but he was also very funny like Chris Jericho.
1: Yeah, he was just wonderful. And you know what I always liked about him, though, is that this whole entourage, yeah, this Max whole Muscle. Max Muscle and Kimberly stuff. <laughs> it's it, perfect. Like the, the girl that he just kind of like takes advantage oh, of, yeah. like down to like literally taking advantage of the, the bingo money or yeah, whatever. Right. And Max Muscle, who's just this like goon, yep. but he listens to everything he says. And the arm wrestling. Yeah. Remember, like, and yeah. The King Lion. <laughs> I just love all of this. Like, yeah, it's like great. The, everything that they did, like everyone was just having a great time. Absolutely. Like And it's it just really shows, because they it, the work is good. It is. It's really good. So they finally finish up playing golf.
3: They decide to play another 18 holes, but Kimberly is tired. She falls to the ground with all the golf shit. And that's stubby everybody, and yeah. I'm fine with it. Uh, mean G now throws us to the Monster Maniacs, a.k.a. We can't call them the Mega Powers oh, yet. It's not legal. Yeah. <laughs> Hogan says that they're in their primes. Yeah, okay. What? And then brings up the promoters from New York and how they're shaking in their boots and how they want Hogan and Savage to fail.
1: Just shut up, Hawk. Like seriously. <laughs> I know. I hate whenever he brings up this New York like Hogan thinks, Ooh, edgy. Like Hogan thinks he's so clever, like <laughs> that like they don't know what nobody knows what he's talking about. I hate it. I know. like because the, when he says it, he says it with such almost like you can hear him nudging. Right, whoever's next to him, it's like, see, I told them, I
3: showed them. Yeah, you can hear him chewing the scenery, literally. Yeah. Uh, Jim, shit. Also behind them, like, Jimmy Hart is in his worst form. He's, like, prancing around yeah, holding baby! up the
1: belt. Yeah. Oh, oh, like, why would anyone want to cheer him? Why do we have this after we had such good shit, like, just a second oh. ago? it's It really shows... That, like, DDP was on the fucking ball. And yeah. even Johnny B. Bat. Yeah. Like, all those people, they know what the fuck they're doing. Hogan they're, and Savage. Oh. They're horrible. Savage, like, he's having an off show because yeah. he
3: doesn't even sound like himself. He it's sounds, his
1: dad. It, he, that's really why. He sounds like Jay Lethal doing an impression of Randy Savage. Yeah. Like Seriously, it doesn't even sound right. Do you think he's, like, literally toning it down because he doesn't want to look stupid in front of Papo I, like, <laughs> I don't think like, so. Like, you know, you want to, like, impress your dad. Like you, know. you took your dad to work. You want him to see like, good at it. Like you know what I mean.
3: Hogan actually says that Angelo Poffo has given them the secret ingredient. Steroids. Yes, and
1: then it gets worse. <sighs> that gets really worse.
3: Lightning strikes, we hear thunder, and Renegade appears behind them now, may on the I, video wall. May
1: I note that he's like 20 feet taller than them or something yes. the way, like the perspective is like they use like fancy green screen. Oh,
3: God, the renegade.
1: So like renegade, he's like, I don't know. He's like, he's like a statue practically. Like he's, he's enormous. He's
3: just on the green screen, like posing, but
1: and he's just going like, oh, he's horrible. Horrible. he doesn't say anything.
3: Makes me appreciate. I'll tell you this much makes me appreciate the ultimate warrior even more
1: it's sad seriously like, he is a very very poor imitation and like hogan literally has to cut the promo for him. <laughs> yeah it's true
3: uh, hogan talks about the sun the moon and the stars i don't know maybe he's singing instant karma by john lennon when we all shine on, like the moon and the star and the sun this is all bad it's Quinn. all
1: bad like, <laughs> it's i serious, just get like, out of here
3: and then Ho- hogan's like Oh yeah! Like I don't know why. Just stop.
1: Oh yeah!
3: But from that, let's go to something good. Harlem Heat's awesome music oh hits. God.
1: Why is their music to this day still so good? It's amazing. Like I, it still gets me pumped. Like I'm always like, yes, yes. Oh oh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: So they make their way out with Sister Sherry. I love Harlem Heat. And yeah. You were saying
1: Quinn, you had a little Sherry's joke here. Sherry's looking hot. Ah. Nice pun intended. This is like Julia the, Child. <laughs> this is seriously like the Sherry. Looks she looks good. awesome. Yeah, yeah, no makeup. Yep, it's, it's perfect.
3: Yep. Uh, their opponents are a couple of schmucks. Uh, one of whom is Red Tyler. The other is Mark Fuller. And I only know that yeah. from the commentary. I swear they, they don't didn't get show announced. The name. Bobby Heenan, the voice of the fans here, he questions Enzo Lapo's Hall of Fame credentials. He's I like, question them. He's yeah. like, he never managed. He wasn't a color commentator. It's all true. <laughs> Did his dad ever manage? No. You ever a uh, television commentator, a colored
2: journalist? Not but, that I know. he may have been And he's that. going in the hall of fame, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm
3: not. Stevie Ray kicks Red Tyler's ass for a while before Mark Fuller comes in and gets beat up as well. Clothesline choke tagged a booker with a beautiful jumping sidekick mm-hmm. called a knee by Shavani. I don't know why. Elevated version of the demolition decapitation gets the win. Nice. That was quite brisk.
1: It was fine. It was a it was fine. fine squash. Like, that's like exactly what I expect. Harlem Heat looks strong. They always they, do. I will say Harlem Heat was one of their like best book. awesome team yeah they are seriously like as much as people hate Stevie Ray because of his singles run he did his role perfectly as as Harlem he like just the tag team he was the perfect like enforcer like muscle the heavy yeah to Booker T's like speed and and the technical yeah technical and the (laughs) high flying it's kind of like he like Stevie Ray was the Jim Neidhart yeah there you go perfect And the Marty Gennetti. <laughs> right.
3: Yep. Uh, Booker yells at the Nazis at the camera for fun. Uh, next, Quinn is our main event. But first, Mean Gene shills how he already shilled the hotline. So he shills the
1: hotline again. He says, call the hotline, asshole, if you want to know who got fired and who's coming in. <laughs> like <ass."> I said,
3: <laughs> I really don't know who he's referring to. If anyone can think of who
1: this was around spring 95. probably referring to that uh, Michael Wall Street's coming in because I think that's around this time. That's September. Did he leave WBF? No. He's oh. still there until July. Oh,
3: I, I really don't remember. Adam Baum left in like August. Nobody cared.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, there must have know. been somebody. Aldo Montoya. Right. No, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think it was somebody like completely like that didn't matter and Paul, they're just bragging about it Paul Roma
3: left here in like March but once again no one cares uh, we throw to a macho man and Angelo
1: walking around and he rambles on using the word ergo he like sounds so fucking old also they like never address <laughs> that Savage and his dad have different last names <laughs> yeah, it's Always true.
3: Annoyed they're never once mentioned
1: they never like he just says dad but it's like but he's Randy Savage and he's Angelo so is. He Randy Pafo, like Or Angelo Savage. Or, or yeah, or is he Angelo Savage? Who's who's zooming who, really?
3: The whole point though of this whole fucking stupid promo package is that the monster maniacs are gonna win, and Savage is very emotional that his dad made it to the WCW. <laughs> I hate this so much. Savage says DTA, don't trust anybody.
2: And we don't trust anybody. DTA, just like you told we Don't trust
3: anybody. All of a sudden now they're on a beach and a bunch of people yeah they like teleport yeah they, they do a bunch of beach people are there and Savage keeps going on and on but not in his usual entertaining way the again
1: au- it's his it's his like I have to impress my dad yeah
3: thing. the audio is mixed too low the background music is too high the main event is not know. interesting at all yeah. I don't like WCW Angela Papa fucking sucks and the Monster Maniacs is a stupid
1: fucking name.
0: boy that escalated quickly
1: can I know that Savage ends the promo like saying like I'm swimming to Slamboree or something, yeah. and they just like start fucking swimming to the ocean? Yes. Yeah, like, I'm gonna go swimming. Yeah,
3: but that whole thing was strange. To the yeah. ring. It's a second round match for the U.S. title. Yeah,
1: yeah. by the way, there's a tournament match yeah. on this. <laughs> there why, is. Why is it vacant again? Does I don't this remember. like, have something to do with Conan or anything? No, that's later. I, just, I thought it was 1995. I remember him winning it with a dumbass or whatever. like
3: <laughs> One-man on. gang or it's something. It's later. Like, it's later. That's like early 96. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> I though? Do. It's like that time period where the U.S. title, it felt like anybody who was in the WWF or like from Mexico was yeah. like <laughs> qualified to win it. That was about it. That yeah, like, was about it. First guy out is Mr. Wonderful. Well,
3: there you go. (laughs) Qualified. Mr. Wonderful Paul Horndorf with his business casual hair. Yeah, Yeah, he makes his way down the aisle armed and ready. Uh, Pee Wee Anderson is the ref as we take a quick time out to remind you that WCW Saturday Night has been brought to you in part by Baby Ruth. Next, the Marlins versus the Braves. Mm -hmm. Back to Gary Michael Capetta as Sting is introduced to a song that I'm sure Quinn really
1: likes. Sting. It's a classic, jam. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah, this is Sting. Now what? Wait, why do you not like it? This? I, don't like, I don't like Sting. You don't even like how Gary Michael Capetta just goes. This is Sting. It's awesome. Okay, I like
3: that, but I think I like the musician more than the wrestler. What? Sting has his light blue tights and pink
1: and blue face. He looks cool as hell. Can you just leave... Okay, yeah, he's real neato, all right? He's way better than than the crow version. Oh, go sit on your dad's bed. I like it. He still has the
3: classic short blonde hair look, which he'd only keep for the rest of the year until he started growing it out.
1: When did he start growing it out? The end of 95. Cause I remember, like, it's starting to turn brown first around like, the first nitro, right? And then it starts to get long. Yep. And were we supposed to like not notice it? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, no one mentions it. Yeah, it's never mentioned. <laughs> no, right? It's just he. Saw, he has like a little boy haircut at one point, and you're like, oh, well, I guess you know, I have that haircut, so it must be cool. <laughs> you like, did too. I literally thought that he was like keeping up with the kids, like when I was a kid. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's like he has my haircut. That's funny. Because the surfer haircut was more '80s, you know. It was Paul Wonderful takes his robe off and Bobby and Tony talk about Orndorff's wet hair. Brain also says that Paul Orndorff was doing Hindu squats before, so that's why he should win. Well, I would have figured he was doing one-arm push-ups. Thank you. Mm. Larry Zbysko-style stall to
3: start this thing as Bobby analyzes... Larry's stall. The whole match is mostly stall. As Bobby analyzes the reasoning behind the stall, while 24 people chant Paula, (laughs) which was a popular chant for
1: Orndorff in like 1984. I give them credit for remembering. I guess so. (laughs) I can't believe the Disney folks. Or do you think there was a guy holding up a sign? Do you think there was... Because WCW was willing to spend money on anything. Do you think there was a sign that was like lit up that just said Paula and it flashed? Mm -hmm
3: no I really do I'm serious that's <laughs> like probably actual, what happened like,
1: like actual
3: direction correct yes I really Amazing. believe that Sidehead so like the start and a shoulder block by Sting for two Bobby and Tony really do liven this up though by going all ab yes, and about who's gonna win the tournament it, it's actually very helpful because we're still stalling here this
1: match sucks it like, really it does
3: stinks I wanted it to be good too I was Me legitimately I was like oh this wow, will there's like a legitimate match right.
1: and like it's like no it's just kill time it's till, really till the Marlins and the Braves come on <laughs> yeah
3: lock up Sting grabs a side block for like three minutes Orndorff gets out tries to take Sting down with a wrist lock but Sting goes back to the headlock Bobby to Tony he's like who's your favorite race car driver <laughs> this whole thing
2: who's your favorite race car driver of all time all time Richard Petty he used to be a singer no he didn't forget it that was Tom Petty's
3: and the Bobby's like my favorite race car driver is Ahmad Rashomi he drives a cab in Manhattan
2: my favorite race car driver is Ahmad Rashomi
3: <laughs> he drives a cab in, the, With, uh, in Manhattan
1: up on top is Orndorff
3: that cracks Tony up for real that
1: cracks him up it cracked me up yeah, I, me too because
3: it was so random it was really funny yeah horribly telegraphed le- top rope whatever by Orndorf leads to him eating a foot and I'm not talking about the Mel Phillips kind of way Sting off the ropes, but Orndorff half botches a hot shot, which Bobby just covers for by saying he didn't get all of it. Tossed to the outside by Orndorff through the middle, though, to the relief of Bobby Heenan.
1: Yeah, because the over-the-top rope rule still exists, guys. Yes, still, it's, it's still. How is? it's 1995 there's cruiserweights coming in what the fuck are they doing i don't know did this like didn't i recently i feel like i found it it went on to like 98 or something yeah like 97 or something relaxed about it or something like (laughs) but it still was on the books they waved it a lot but it was still the fact that it's on the books why (laughs) how do you how so we have the
3: best exchange between these two of the oh show. Oh, my God. As Bobby talks about ditching your ugly blind dates at convenience stores.
2: Didn't you ever have a date, a blind date, that was real ugly? No, what, no. And you stopped at the convenience you store, you Would told you... her going to get some gum, and then you took off? I've done that a lot of times.
1: He actually... Prompted Shivani to do a gorilla ism. Yes. And I don't think it was intentional no, either. It, it was like literally he pissed him off that much.
3: <laughs> Bobby says it's worth a try, though. It's worth a try. <laughs> Elbow to the midsection and Paul Orndorff. Worth a try. Wonderful grabs a double reverse chin lock. And Bobby again out of nowhere. Why do you hate Hulk Hogan?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just to It's call almost it back. like
3: the, the callback joke. Yeah, it's Perfect. great. Yeah. Why do you hate Hogan? <laughs> reverse chin lock Sting fights back gets slug down Ornerf goes for the pile driver but Sting backdrops out and immediately hits the scorpion deathlock for the win awful just awful like this why is on- would- this Sorry. is on like luger to tonka levels of bad i'm serious
1: yeah why was Orndorff like he just goes down like a schmuck to Awful. the, the freaking scorpion sharpshooter. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know I thought
3: I could have had good matches with Paul Orndorff. Yeah. I think, I think I did a better scorpion hold than Sting did. You know what he scorpion. this is pretty good. He's still better than, than The Rock or Dwayne Johnson or whatever. I like is. that
1: Brett also hates The Rock's <laughs> sharpshooter. That just <laughs> kind of makes me laugh. It's bad.
3: <laughs> so anyway Tony Schiavone is with Sting who cuts a pretty junky promo on Big Bubba yeah. about tomorrow's stupidly named like match. Bubba stinks. i going to beat him like, like, I'm
1: going to win. And woo.
3: <laughs> yeah. Which prompts me to ask When what was Sting's character? Was he a surfer? Was he a wild man? Was
1: he nice? What like Was always, he a power lifter? What was Sting? I always got the impression, it might sound corny, but I always got the impression that he was kind of just the mascot of WCW. That was like what his character was. He was just like, he was always just in a good mood, you know? I thought that was Wildcat Willie. Well, Wildcat Willie is like the when Sting's busy like that's why he goes what an up, honor right? it's like sting is like the true like mascot he's like give me a w <laughs> give me a c give me a w and then like you know when sting's wrestling somebody's got to also yell that that's what okay. wildcat willie does that's what it is Remember he has, like the ww jersey yeah. on and then shorts yes. basketball shorts yeah i don't like this and he's promotion. kind of
3: fuzzy yeah they stink
1: what don't don't you dare diss wildcat willie i'll diss Tony
3: quickly signs off so baseball can happen. Uh, That's the end of the show. Well, squash matches and jokes.
1: My kind of show, really. Yeah, I I, mean... I really was okay with this.
3: Best things of the show were Bobby Heenan and Tony Schiavone. DDP. And the DDP thing, yeah. Yeah. The matches, all bad. The angle, the main event angle that was going on for Slam Boree. Is horrible. It's hard. Hogan and Savage.
1: None of those stupid people rear their ugly head. I
3: will admit, they don't like.
1: They're not at least in the WW Zone or whatever that place is
3: called. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. Overall, I mean, compared to what WF was doing at the time, we'll just very brief compare comparison here before we uh sign off and let our fans get on with their lives today diesel versus sid had just happened in your house i honestly can't, also not very good i
1: can't say that wwf is actually better it's neither or better is what it i It might actually be worse like it, mm, no it might like, like to be fair it might i actually don't think it's the same i think no i think it's the same this is a really good period for wcw as far as like like head to head like it, I, I really think on any given Sunday, they could beat the WWF. But they're both poopy, so they're it's They're both like, poopy, but they really are. It's it's kind of like it's a contest of, like, who can be more fun at the poopy, and, like, <laughs> I, I kind of think WCW's got them edged out at the, like, fun factor. It sets the ground for these kind of, like, experimental DDP goofy things, I because, like, you can do... If, you're, if you know, like, you have Nitro in the pipeline, just... Goof off for a couple months, and have fun. <laughs> I guess so, and see if some of that stuff sticks going into Nitro. Possible, Quinn. Uh, overall,
3: nice little snapshot of a uh, a middling period in WCW's history. Brings back memories though, because I watched a lot of this live when it Mid- happened.
1: Middling, but fond memories. Fond so memories. Yeah, I, I will say it, it is always like a tr- a treat, really. Like because it. it it's just a silly period of time. It's not like it, there's no malice. You can tell nobody's like, this sucks. I hate W. Like it's just not like, ah, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is
3: a good time. Yep, and folks, we hope you had a good time as you've romped through the world of retro wrestling with us yet again here on episode number 118. Of course, we will be back next week for 119, and then we'll be closing out the season shortly thereafter. Uh, if you have any questions, email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at ovpodcast. Join the Facebook group if you haven't yet. If you have a Facebook, go join. Join the group. It'll be a really fun time. And if you want to hear the WrestleMania review, if you want to check out some of the great rewards that we have, go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. If you want to donate, leave us a review. If you have iTunes, Apple podcasts, but until next time, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. And why do you hate Hogan? See ya. See
1: ya.
2: I can't believe that I didn't catch the concept. Well, the concept is that they accepted the match. That means that they're confident. They know they can't beat the monster maniacs. So, therefore, ergo, in any language you want to <laughs> put it, they have a devilish plan. Okay, when you corner a rat. What do they do? They come out and fight, right? Fight. Even a rat will fight. Okay, nature of the beast. I got it now. Dead unbelievable. Just like you did during your career. What happened was I was so excited for you being inducted into the WCW Hall
1: of Fame that I put my... When you, you stop? stop, stop. stop.